You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you Zen Tri Masters, and welcome to another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon the podcast where we take the principles of Zen and use them to test yourself against the world's most complicated sport to make yourself a better person in the end and hopefully a better athlete. All right, on this show, we have all kinds of cool stuff. We have some industry news, sporting news, and also an interview with Christine Lynch again. She is back to talk to us about all kinds of cool stuff and also how she won an eating contest. I think Christine weighs about 120 pounds. (laughs) So how she did an obstacle course race, I believe it was, and then turned around and uh, and then powered down uh, apple pie or cherry pie as faster than the competition. It's really funny. All right, and also I'm going to give you a short talk on some Zen principles to help you along with your training and make sense of the mysterious world of. Zen Buddhism. It's really cool stuff. All right, but let's go ahead and get started with some endurance news. And I said endurance instead of triathlon because the coolest thing that happened recently is Scott Jurek has run the Appalachian Trail in a world record time. And run is a loose term. It is so hard. It is 50 miles a day is what he averaged. Ah, crap. Ah, crap. A uh, ad popped up on my thing. Where'd it go? No, I don't want to know about that. Go away. There we go. Okay, here it is. <laughs> Stupid computer stuff. Okay, 50 miles a day for 46 days, 8 hours, and 7 minutes. Whew, you start at Springer Mountain in Georgia, and then you head north, and it doesn't say actually where it ends. I'm reading an article online, but... Uh, this is amazing. He beat the record set by Jennifer Farr Davis in 2011 by only three hours and 13 minutes. At one point, he gave up. <laughs> he said, it's impossible. But I guess his crew maybe fed him some gummy bears and said, keep going, dude, keep going. And this is amazing. I've been on the Appalachian Trail. thing is rugged and 50 miles a day for 2,189 miles. Uh, 515,000 feet of elevation gain change, it says. Maybe not all gain. But anyway, it's pretty impressive. Uh, It's a really big deal. I'm pretty excited to uh, bring you all this news. And uh, there's even videos of him doing it. And you think triathlon is hard. Imagine doing a 50-mile, basically a double marathon over rugged trails. Uh, very rugged trails, day after day after day after day for 46 days. I mean, that's just nuts, absolutely nuts. And um, I've done the Rocky Raccoon 50 or 100, and he was on the trail out there with me. I said hi to him. So he's a very accessible, nice, normal guy. He was in the book Born to Run. So all around, just a fascinating story uh, full of endurance goodness. Okay, next uh Challenge Roth, which is the biggest triathlon outside of Kona and could even compete, probably has more spectators than Kona, uh, and it's in Germany. 
and I believe they say Rote, uh, we say Roth over here, and uh, they had, the race ran, and they had a really cool thing that I liked. They, if you got caught drafting on the bike ride, they made you run an extra kilometer <laughs> right in the middle of the run. There was like a, a punishment loop <laughs> that you had to run in full view of everybody else so that you could get mocked, and uh, I don't know if that actually what happened, but uh, it's a little bit of public embarrassment. And then also with your five-minute uh, penalty, which I think is fantastic. Uh, when I did the SOS triathlon, they said, you get caught drafting on the uh, bike, they're going to make you get off your bike and do full squats for like, I don't know how many, like 20 of them or, or 30, I forgot. I don't know. I just didn't want to draft, you know, because if you just sit out at a five-minute penalty, right in the middle of an Ironman, man, that five minutes of resting can actually make you faster in the end. You can hydrate, slam fuel, you know, and shake out your legs. It's only five minutes, but it may allow you to actually uh, race even better. So uh, a lot of people were just uh, saying, screw it. I'll get that five-minute penalty. Who cares? Either I'll, if I don't get it, then I've cheated and I've gotten further ahead. If I do get it, well, then I get a break. So either way, I win, right? That's the mindset with these people. And not anymore, man. <laughs> you get contracting. You're going you're gonna to have to run extra, extra work, which punishes the legs, which uh, is great stuff. I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, let's see. I'm going to Bahrain for the uh, 70.3 there in December. I was going to do the challenge race, but uh, working with uh, the race management, um, they switched over to uh, Ironman uh, for their own reasons. I still don't even understand all that, uh, but whatever. The, really, the whole point uh, with the, um, the Bahrain family and the uh, putting on races there is just to get triathlons there. I think they're kind of, uh, brands are nice. Ironman and challenge is nice. It's great stuff. Uh, that you can rely on a great brand, but the bigger point is to have uh, races there to get the public into um, endurance sports to get healthier. And the um, the one that ended up working out for me is I really I really kind of wanted to go do a challenge race for the first time, but I do lots of seventy point three Ironman races because that's what we have here in Texas, and um, so that's what I'm doing. And I've started listening to uh, Arabic podcasts. <laughs> Like how to how to how to speak Arabic, uh, so I can give a good victory speech. Just kidding, I'm not going to be able to win anything with her. But I'm going to have a great time, and I'm going to have a lot of behind the scenes audio from going to Bahrain, and that's in December. I'm super excited about that. Hit me up on Twitter, Zentrathlon, if you have any tips on how to speak Arabic, how to learn it, uh, all kinds of great stuff like that. What to do in Bahrain culturally, and what not to do. I love to travel and uh, travel the world and, and uh, go different places, and I love different cultures. So I'm I'm just over over the moon in uh, in this situation uh, coming to fruition. Also, let's see. Challenge. Speaking of challenge, sent out an email saying they're going to do something really cool. They're going to pay a bonus five deep, both men and women, to the athletes who have accumulated the most points racing at challenge events throughout Europe. Uh, the top-ranked male and female will each take home 25,000 Euro, 25, euros. <laughs> 25,000 euros. 25, euros. Second will get 17,000. Third will get 13, fourth, 10, and fifth, 5,000 euros. 
that is really cool that um, they're awarding uh, bonuses by uh, points. Isn't that cool? I like that a lot. Okay, and th- and that's in what's interesting about that is it's in contrast to the um, the Ironman program where you get uh, KPR Kona Pro Ranking or something like that points, and it just gets you in the Kona. It doesn't get you any money, but uh, and this is this is like all races add up to money for you. This is pretty neat. Okay, and also in internet news, uh, Alex a show fan and a guy I coach uh, that's an Englishman living in Sweden that's now on his way to Jersey, <laughs> New Jersey, is uh, uh, helped me. Uh, he, he came up with the idea, and I thought it was great, a uh, subreddit for Zen Triathlon. And Reddit is a huge website that is just the most fun, coolest website that has literally sucked me into uh, wasting time on the Internet more than anything has ever been able to uh, before. And it's got categories, and so they're called subreddits. And Reddit is—it's uh, supposed to mean, yeah, I read it already on the internet. And uh, but they spell it R E D D I T, R E D D I T. That's Reddit.com. So a subreddit is now called uh, Zentrathlon. It's kind of like creating a wiki page, um, but then it's a forum that you can chat and post pictures and all kinds of stuff. And so what you do is you go subreddit.com/r, and that means sub for some reason. I don't know why. But anyway, slash R uh, and then slash Zen Triathlon. And go check it out and post in there. I'll be checking on it every once in a while to see if it takes off. And uh, we can have a lot of fun in there. Kind of our own little forum uh, discussion about show topics. After this show, you may have a lot of questions about Zen and how to apply it to your own life. Okay. Let's see. Before we go any further, we should give a shout out to Chris Haig Racing. And... He is a great sponsor of the show. He said he's almost full of athletes, so get in while you can. And I think somewhere, maybe in my uh, donations, I got a comment about Chris Haig racing. Maybe I read it on the last show. I said he is an awesome coach. Really, really good. And like I said, this guy's got the full package. He's super happy, helpful, friendly, knowledgeable, enthusiastic. He's worked in a triathlon shop uh, for a long time. He's now a teacher, so he can deal with trying to transmit ideas to you so that you understand them. And then also he raced track at uh, University of the South at Suwannee. And I've raced against Chris Haig, and he beat me badly. <laughs> so he is awesome. Go check him out, chrishaigracing.com. And again, I cannot uh, support him enough and thank him for supporting the show. And when his advertising is up on the show, because when he gets full of athletes, uh, let me know and uh, we can get you on the show as well. You listening right now with an advertisement on the show and it's uh, very affordable and would love to work with you. Okay, let's see. We have, we see we've done the news and we're going to get to the interview and I thought... We should go ahead and talk some Zen stuff. And I don't want to drag it out too long because talking Zen forever gets old. And the whole point of Zen is to do, not think. Well, you could think, but not just talk about doing, but actually do. So I want to use the word transmit again. I want to communicate and transmit these ideas to your uh, little triathlete brain so you absorb them and suck them up and can use them as soon as possible. So let me pull them up here. 
Oh, they're over here. The other part of the internet. Okay. Been listening to uh, some really cool stuff and been taking notes and wanted to, uh, and also thinking about a lot of things, a lot of questions I've seen on the internet and on forums and uh, wanted to um, give these to you. I've got about six things or so. All right. So Zentri, should I ring a uh, Tibetan singing bowl now or a gong or something like that? Okay. Zentri is about using external factors to train yourself to quit internalizing external things. So there's stuff outside of you and then there's stuff inside of you, right? And when you take something that's external, like say the way somebody looks at you, right? Or uh, doesn't say hi when they walk by, right? That's an external, right? Then you take it internally and go, that person didn't say hi to me. You start telling yourself a story because they don't like me or because I have ugly shoes or I'm fat or I'm too skinny or um, I'm ugly or whatever I said. Anyway, so you're, you're using, you, you have to train yourself because it's a very primitive thing that's kind of wired into your primitive brain to uh, do this internal voice that is constantly criticizing and looking for the negatives. And um, it's a primitive thing because you had to be very wary of negatives because uh, when things are good, everything's fine. You don't really need to pay attention. But when things are bad, you really need to pay attention because bad stuff can kill you. And that's the way you are wired. Uh, and that's how you got here today. If you weren't wired that way, then uh, <laughs> you would have been left behind in the primordial suit and uh, never would have evolved as far as to have opposable thumbs. Okay, but uh, we use these... You use this training, we use triathlon and other stuff to train yourself to uh, quit internalizing external stuff. Um, there's a really good book called The Untethered Soul, which I encourage you to read. Uh, there's an audiobook, so you can do it while you're on your bike. And it teaches you um, confidence, right? Once you have confidence, then you can quit reacting. You notice that with people that are confident, they don't react to everything. And instead of. Uh, Enlightenment, Zen is the, uh, is, enlightenment literally means to turn on a light. And when you're not enlightened, it's kind of like um, that you're in a dark room fumbling around in the dark. And all it takes is just to turn on a light. Now you can see where everything is. You can see that photo album over there. You can see the stool in the middle of the room that you would have tripped over. You could see that pile of razor blades <laughs> that you would have grabbed with your hand, <laughs> right? But with the lights off, you can't see anything and you flumber, flumber. You uh, fumble and fluster or flumber. And the uh, that's a problem, right? But all you have to do is just realize where stuff is and the whole world changes for you and everything just becomes so much easier. So instead of fumbling around in the dark, if you have a little bit of self-confidence and don't internalize external things, then you can uh, turn on your internal light and actually see what's going on inside. What's interesting is I started learning about all this and applying it while at the same time trying to learn how to do triathlon 10, 12 years ago. And I saw how this connected to each other uh, just amazingly well because triathlon is full of external challenges and, and versus your internal voice, right? And it's just one challenge after another with triathlon, it, it, especially because it's three sports instead of just one, right? So how do you 
get good at anything when you're not practicing one and other people are practicing just one? And then also, how do you balance all the time, right? And the expenses and all that. How do you justify this and the other? It is the world's most complicated sport and by nature, right? It has a lot of upsides. It keeps you from getting injured because you're always moving stuff around. You know, it keeps you humble, <laughs> because <laughs> you're never great at anything um, because you can't be the greatest cyclist because you spend too much time running you know it just goes on and on and on so it's got ups that you never really thought of before but it's it's got a lot of downs and then um, well so there's all these challenges right and I like to say it's like trying to learn how to meditate in an airport or on an airport runway or a busy airport or a busy city street right so um, you can learn to quiet the mind and listen to your inner voice and be uh, calm and quiet and uh, hear yourself and your, let your soul free while you're sitting on a, on a beach with nobody else around and the waves are kind of lapping the shore a little bit so soft and gentle. But try to do that in a busy street intersection with horns honking and and uh, people yelling, and a uh, homeless guy, you know, down the down the corner yelling at another homeless uh, lady, and then a cop blowing a whistle, and sirens from an ambulance going by, and just and a jet flying overhead. Right? There's uh, there's meditation schools where they would take people <laughs> and do that to them. They're like, you need to learn to meditate here and here, H E R E and H E A R what your inner voice is now. Can you quiet all the outside challenges that are constantly uh, uh, barraging against you and actually learn and listen to what's important inside what your inner voice is saying with all this crap going on on the outside? So it's very much like that. That's what triathlon is very much like. And uh, when you can learn to calm down or not listen to all the outside rubbish and chatter and crap being thrown at you and the uh, comparing minds, you know, that person has a better bike, or that person has a better car, that person has a better job, that person has more money. When you really don't know anything about that other person, um, it, it's mind-blowing how little you know about the other person and think that they're uh, judging you <laughs> when they're, uh, they, they don't even, they have no clue what they're doing, right? And, um, when you can turn all that off, then you can hear your own true voice inside and learn to follow that. And that is your path to real happiness because now you're following your own inner voice and your own true purpose. But you got to learn to hear it. And to hear it, you got to turn other stuff off. All right. So another example is to sit in a place with a non-native language going on. This is more about the ego. Uh, your ego is... Well, there's a whole bunch of different descriptions of the ego, but in short, it's your inner narration, it's your inner voice, um, inner primitive mind, uh, soul that's in there uh, that um, if somebody says that you're dumb, your ego is what makes you feel like you're actually dying, you know, you're so embarrassed that you could die. And uh, because your ego translates that into death, uh, because a long, 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 long time ago, if uh, somebody challenged you in the tribe, with your smartness, yeah, they could have killed you. <laughs> so it's a, it's again back to the primitive, uh, the primitive heart and soul and mind, and uh, kind of like thinking from the spinal cord, from the lower brain instead of the upper forward brain, and 
if you sit in a place, let's say you only speak English, and then you go to Bahrain, like I'm going to, and I sit in the middle of the square, and I just close my eyes. All right, shoot, I don't need to close my eyes. I just sit there. All the signs are in a different language. It's like something out of Blade Runner, right? With signs in a different language, uh, noise and racket, everybody in a different language, people probably coming up to me, talking to me. I can't understand a word that they say. Your ego starts freaking out. It starts going, what? I don't know what to do. 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 Fear, 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 right? Everything's bad. When actually the people could be saying, uh, hey, uh, buy Coca-Cola and I hope you have a nice day. <laughs> But you've translated, since you don't understand, you've translated it into uh, threatening and uh, fear, which actually happens a lot around the world, which is kind of sad. But that's uh, what leads to all kinds of bad situations. Um, but when you learn to turn that off and not react that way, oh my God, here comes a guy with a leaf blower. For real? <laughs> all right, we're going to practice right now. Ignore the guys with the leaf blowers. Every podcast I listen to seems to have an interruption at some point with a leaf blower. Uh, Tom, uh, Adam Carolla, uh, Mark Marin. Um, oh, what's the? Uh, I'll think of the other guy's name in a minute. Um, the guy that was a police officer in Dumb and Dumber that uh, uh, was the uh, cop that pulled him over and then drank the drank the bottle, the beer bottle full of pee. Anyway. Um, Harlan, Harlan Wayans. Anyway, here comes the leaf blowers. See, it distracts you. Then you try to get back. And then you worry about what other people think about leaf blowers on your, uh, on your podcast. But you can turn all that off. And if you learn to turn it off, you can listen, like I said, to your inner voice. And you can really listen and understand uh, what, you, what makes you tick. So I'm sitting in that Times Square in Bahrain with leaf blowers going on all around me. And... Uh, instead of hearing Arabic, I listen to myself and I go, oh, you know what? I really prefer shade right now. Or the sun. Or there's a little footbridge over there. Maybe I want to go sit on that. Oh, there's some grass over there. Maybe I want to sit in that. It's nice and cool under the tree. And the reason I'm saying all those items is because you learn about yourself and actually what you prefer and also what bothers you. So you can kind of do a little bit of lifestyle hacking and engineering um, and follow what's actually what actually you like and what you do. So with all these distractions about oh I got to have a triathlon bike, um, an aero bike with aero bars, I got to have a ten thousand dollar felt. Um, I need these running shoes or else I'm not going to be fast. Or uh, two thousand dollars zip wheels, right? Those are all voices on the outside telling you what you need to have. But if you learn to turn all that off, then you can, when you go out on a long bike ride, you can be like, man, I really enjoy riding in the countryside, but I like a shoulder on the road, right? Because you turned all this other stuff off, you can actually spend time listening to yourself. And now that you know that you actually really enjoy riding in the countryside, but with the shoulder, you can go on Google Maps and find routes with, in the countryside that have a, a shoulder on the road, Right? So you can find out your preferences and learn to work with them because now you've listened to yourself. Okay. And you can learn to do this anywhere. If you learn to do this in uh, the town square in Bahrain or in Beijing or in the airport or under an airport uh, takeoff zone, <laughs> right? That's, where they, that's why they challenge people to uh, learn to meditate in challenging situations because once you can do it those places, then you can do it anywhere. And you can take the time to actually quiet everything and listen to what's important to you right now, no matter where you are. 
okay, got to take a breath. All right, now, oh, and listening to yourself is actually the key to true happiness. How about that? Um, For example, I went from liking Zwift, which is a video game where you ride your bike, not liking Zwift, actually, to liking it all of a sudden. And Strava as well, now that I think of it. Zwift and Strava, I used to not like them, and then I liked them, right? But why? You got to ask yourself, why? What happened? What was the difference? And then you learn, uh, because you're paying attention now to your inner voice, then you can apply that to something else. I learned with Zwift that... Um, I really do like interacting with others. What was the, uh, the, the hump that I got over that made me like Zwift was when I finally figured out how to use the app on the phone because with the app on the phone, I can message other people. And my personality, what I figured out that I like is I like doing things on my own terms, but you know, by myself or uh, because of schedules and on my own time. But I like to communicate with other people about what I'm doing So I'm kind of like a hybrid. I like doing it on my own, but also like letting other people know what I've done or what I'm doing. So like I like going for a bike ride or a run by myself uh, so that I don't have to uh, wait on other people to show up or other people have problems. And like I have a really low tolerance (laughs) for uh, other people um, not being prepared because I was in the Boy Scouts and you're always prepared. And I know it can be done. So for people to to, uh, have stuff all screwed up Um, I'm like, uh, you know, I, and I've only got so much time because I've got a kid and a job and a podcast and coaching that, uh, my tolerance for, um, having to sit around and wait and wait because somebody, uh, you know, doesn't like to be on time just drives me crazy. And, uh, but I do like the, uh, communication after I do a workout to tweet about it. Right. So I went for a, I went for a long run. And here's a picture of my dog, or I went for a swim, and here's a picture of my pool. So I'm still being social, but I've kind of freed myself myself up to do it on my own time. And it kind of reminds me of working from home, right? You get to do the work so that you, um, you contribute to society, and you get your work done, and you get your paycheck. But at the same time, you kind of do it, you do it from your own house, so you can do it when you want to. Um, but then I would still want to live in the same town as the company, and uh, come in like once a week and kind of check in and show everybody what I've done, right? And you could be different. Just because I'm saying this, you don't compare to me and say, oh, well, that's not how you do it. You know, that's totally the wrong mindset. <laughs> Just because I like to do something one way does not, does not threaten you. And that is such a big thing on the uh, internet forums, like especially on Slow Twitch, where... Um, the Iron Cowboy, for example, is doing his 50 Ironmans in 50 days in 50 states. And there was some guy that was going to report him to, uh, to USAT for cutting, a, <laughs> for cutting a triathlon course. Like, dude, what is he doing that's threatening you? Do you think that this is going to become a thing? You know, where all of a sudden you're going to have to start doing this? No, man, let it go. You know, but anyway, that's, and, but then again, that's his, I don't know what's going on with that guy. Right, so the more you start to think thinking Zen, the more you think Zen style, the more you you learn to notice uh, external factors affecting people's internal uh, reactions, and then also your own, and then also learning to let them go. Right? Okay. Now, whew, whew, let's see. There's another uh, little tangent here. Um, 
there's this, this external stuff. I kind of mentioned this before with the bikes and stuff, but uh, beware of the external stuff affecting you in triathlon and work. And if you're still in school and your social circles, right? There's a huge, there's a personality type. It's probably about half of people. I'd say more, probably 70 to 80% of people that uh, are afraid, a little bit overly afraid of what other people think. And they uh, have, they have to have everybody like them. And I definitely fall in this camp, right? But all it takes is a little bit of self-awareness that you're like this, right? And then all of a sudden it'll lead to a behavior change. Um, the whole thing with enlightenment is to turn on the light switch and then look at what you're doing uh, with the lights on. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow. And once you've seen it, it'll, the world will never be the same, right? Um, you could go around your whole life uh, wearing lots of purple and then not ever thinking anything about it. And then somebody says, hey, man, you like to wear lots of purple. And then you say, what? Yeah, you wear, like to wear lot, lots of purple. <laughs> You're like, oh, what? And then for the rest of your life, you never wear purple ever again just because somebody pointed it out, right? So just knowing something, just having somebody pointing something out or yourself pointing out by being self-aware can totally lead to behavior change. That's the whole thing with uh, food logging, right? Just writing down what you eat changes uh, what you eat. It's, uh, oh, there's a quantum physics with the observation effect. But anyway, which is probably not related whatsoever, but it is similar. And um, there's a personality type where you have to have everybody like you. And uh, I was uh, learning a little bit about this, and they said, uh, and I already know this, everybody knows this. If you try to have people like you too much, well, then nobody likes you because you, you're like pandering and needy all the time, right? So all you have to have is somebody say to you, hey, you, you want too much for people to like you, and that'll change your behavior right there. And uh, what's more admirable, apparently, is to have um, a little bit of backbone and say, no, you know, I do this because I like me and this is what I like to do because I've listened to myself. I've meditated, for example, if that's what you want to do. And uh, I've heard my own true inner voice and I'm going to be happier if I ride my bike by myself or no, I'm not going to ride my bike by myself. I'm going to be happier if I ride my bike with people because that's what makes me train more because you pay attention and you see from your training log that you actually train better uh, when you train with a group, for example, if you're that person. And then um, you do what's right for you, not because what uh, other people, because you worry about what other people think. It's really interesting to have, uh, to self-identify as one of these people uh, that has to have everybody like them and then learn to start letting it go. You get better results. Um, there's always that thing that you know you're, uh, you know you're succeeding when people start hating because <laughs> they're jealous. That means you're actually getting somewhere and what you're, what you're doing actually has some traction. When you start getting some anti-fans, then, uh, then you're actually doing something. Okay, uh, in training, I also wanted to mention this because uh, I've run across this lately, uh, pseudoscience or what uh, some people like to call bro science. And... Um, in triathlon training, and it's such a problem because in triathlon training, there's all the training part and then there's all the nutrition part, uh, which are huge areas that are largely um, barely researched because long distance stuff is, is relatively new. And um, pseudoscience 
is where people take a little bit of real, real science, but then mix it with uh, fake science. And because it's got a little bit of science, a little bit of science fact mixed in, then uh, it sounds believable. And our sport of triathlon and ultra running and marathon swimming and stuff like that is full of it, absolutely full of it, and full of it in both senses of the word. Um, that you really need to watch out for this stuff. When people tell you that something works, go look it up for sure and watch out for confirmation bias where you just find more of the same people uh, saying it's the same, saying it works. And I want to uh, give a couple examples. Um, alternative medicine. Uh, alternative medicine. Oh, and I recommend listening to the uh, Skeptic Society podcast, and it's where they break down how uh, they break down new current news stories and how science actually works, and also famous women in science, uh, in history and science. That's pretty cool. And they they break down how critical thinking actually works and how you know if something's real or not. Uh, we we've got such a bad problem with this with uh, nutrition and triathlon and. So let's go back uh, to alternative medicine. <laughs> One of the guys on the podcast is a PhD or is a medical doctor. And he says, um, you know, alternative medicine is just, it's medicine that hasn't been proven yet. If it was actually proven and actually worked, then it would be called medicine. <laughs> so when something is alternative or whatever, be really, really careful of that. Um, now, just because it's not... Uh, proven medicine in your country does not mean that it's that it doesn't work. It may be approved in some other countries um, and not yours. I've run across that, but like I ran into this with uh, leaky gut. Leaky gut is not a thing. Leaky gut is a term. WebMD uh, describes it as a term. Basically, is they don't know why you're having digestive problems. So that collective group of stuff that they don't have, they can't diagnose and they don't understand yet. It's just grouped into and classified as leaky gut. It actually, the phrase doesn't mean anything. There's no actual medical diagnosis, real medical diagnosis of leaky gut. And uh, all the stuff, you know, like high carb, low fat, uh, low, uh, high fat, low carb, you know, all this other stuff. Um, it takes clinical trials of thousands of people over many, many years to see if something actually works. And just because of uh, one uh, or hundreds of stories of it working, well, a lot of it's confirmation bias where you've gone out and looked for, um, uh, it's like reading reviews. If you, There could be all these negative reviews, but you read one review that says it works and you're like, okay, I found the one review that said it worked. Okay, it's good. <laughs> like that. And... Um, Homeopathic medicine is another one, and uh, it's where the the <laughs> just Google homeopathic medicine on Wikipedia and look at it. It is absolutely outrageous that this has gotten by, and uh, that people try to try to sell this stuff, and it's terrible. And also, do some deep diving into uh, vaccinations and anti-vaccinations, and learn how dangerous it is. Uh, for the world, for people to be saying that, uh, you know, vaccines are bad and that they know better than proven science. And you can see that the world is absolutely full of junk out there that's mar it's blended. You take a whole bunch of, like, folklore 
and old wives' tales, and you mix in just the tiniest bit amount of science to make it sound believable, and then the next thing you know, um, you've got a fad and something going on which is absolutely terrible for you and can lead to all kinds of problems. Um, so there's that. All right. And also, um, group think, right? You get enough of a crowd going with believing in something like, like the CrossFit cult. (laughs) Uh, if you're a CrossFit, I'm not talking to you, just ignore this for a minute. But, uh, CrossFit itself is, I'm just using that as a bad example, but you get like, I'm just saying as a group, like a whole bunch of people start doing something, right? And they, they convince you to go and do this. Um, uh, go back to proven stuff that actually works. I'm going to read a comment here in a minute about a guy asking about the Maffetone method uh, versus training on hills and going anaerobic. And what, what, what makes a totally logical training plan, um, the group think out there and a current fad makes you start saying, oh, I wonder if I'm doing it right, you know? And just <laughs> go back and read just the, if there's thousands of books on how to do something right, that's probably, that's probably good. It's probably the way to do it, you know, on how to train, uh, for something. And, um, because something's new and shiny and there's some people trying it out and a few people say that, it, that it works. It's probably still not, not the right way to do things. You should probably just do the traditional thing that actually has proven to work for everybody. And, uh, the, the phrase that I really like is uh, from James Audubon, the uh, field researcher a long time ago that actually started the Audubon Society, um, which is a bird uh, preservation and uh, bird watching society. And his quote was, uh, if the book and the bird disagree, believe the bird. <laughs> and that means reality, what actually really, really works instead of uh, something that somebody's just saying uh, works. Okay. And lastly, to wrap all this up, our little Zen talk here is fear. I've been collecting a lot of these. I've been wanting to talk about. There's a little subject on fear. Uh, There's something really interesting about fear. Fear only happens, can only exist for something in the future, right? So you can be afraid of, uh, you can be afraid of heights, for example. But let's say I blindfold you and you don't know it. You're afraid of going on top of a building, right? And then uh, blindfold, you take it up to the top of the building, take off the blindfold. Now you're on top of the building. Well, now what are you afraid of? Because you're already on top of the building and you're fine. Well, now you're afraid of the edge. You know, I blindfold you, tell you I'm taking you back down, but actually get you near the edge. (laughs) And then uh, you say, oh, now I'm actually, uh, now you're next to the edge and you're not dead. And then I say, okay, let's go back down. I blindfold you and I start taking you back down. But then when I take the blindfold off, you're in the air and you're skydiving to the ground. So now you're not afraid of the top of the building. Now you're not afraid of the edge of the building, right? You're afraid of the ground, which, has, which hasn't happened yet as, as the ground's approaching as you're skydiving, right? And so it's always, fear is always something that's in the future. It's always in the future. And it's absolutely crazy. So if you just get moving and get a little bit of momentum going and start doing stuff, and realize every time you're afraid of something, this is a really cool mental trick to play on yourself. Anytime you're like, oh, I don't want to do that, or that, that makes me scared, realize how much that's not now. And when something's not now and it's in the future, well, you're predicting what's going to happen, right? And that may not happen. So you're afraid of something that probably won't happen, 
you're really good at surviving so far. You know, you've made it this far. Something that's going to kill you is still probably not going to happen. So being afraid of something that uh, your ego is all freaking out about, like it's going to die, for something that hasn't happened yet, um, is a real waste of your time and a waste of your energy. Um, And you're spending a lot of your mental cycles uh, worrying about something that hasn't happened yet. So that's your that's your homework for a while. Is everything everything that you uh, think of that you're afraid of between now and the next episode? Ask yourself if it's if it's if it's happening right now or is it something that's in the future? Right? I'm afraid of uh, cruise ships. Right? Uh, I just made this up. I, I'm afraid of cruise ships. Okay. Am I on a cruise ship right now? No. <laughs> Am I near a cruise ship? No. So should I be afraid? No. Right. Uh, another good one is uh, somebody that's uh, has a drinking problem, right? And they're like, um, "Oh, you know, I need to stay sober uh, and never drink again." Oh my gosh. Well, what if I uh, am I never going to drink again? Well, at my wedding, what am I going to do at my wedding? I can't drink at my wedding. Okay. Uh, are you getting married today? No. Um, wouldn't you need a girlfriend first before you actually uh, get married? <laughs> Yeah, you would. So you're nowhere near there yet. So quit worrying about stuff that doesn't, that hasn't happened yet, or may not uh, happen for a long time. Because when it actually does happen, and you're in the moment, you won't be afraid anymore. Because when you're actually dealing with something right now, um, it's not fear anymore. Fear is about something in the future, right? So fear actually never happens ever. It's about something that never, ever happens. Because when you're faced with that problem right now, you're too busy doing, dealing with it to actually be afraid in the, uh, in the moment. Okay, so that's it. Whew. All right, let's go ahead and get started with, uh, with uh, Christine Lynch, uh, my, uh, my favorite co-host that hops on this show a lot. We're going to talk about all kinds of cool stuff to do with uh, racing, nutrition, training, and pie-eating contests, and not being afraid of food, all right? Okay, let's go ahead and get rolling. Here is Christine Lynch, a.k.a. Holistic Guru. Here we go. Welcome to the next level. Hola, que pasa? Hola. Que pasta? Um, what pasta? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, I dropped my pen. <laughs> okay. Are we taking notes? What? Are we taking notes? No, I just always like to have a pen. That's so 1985 of you. Oh, sometimes I like to write things down. I just type them into into the uh, atmosphere on my computer somewhere. Oh, yeah, I like pen and paper. Do you have one of those multicolored pens? I have a bunch of those. I have some, but no, this is like a really boring, like, regular big pen. I used to take notes in college classes with the multicolored pen and a different color for each day. Oh, really? Yeah, it worked, it worked pretty well. But it enough be- about triathlon. Right. <laughs> quad quadathlon pinning. So, what's up? You got um, some testing done on your blood. Oh yeah! 
on my blood. I bled out. And they tested yeah. it. Yeah, they cut me up. It was a lot of fun. And I sent them to you, and you checked right. them out. And uh, I actually just had a phone call yesterday or two days ago with um, the team that the two guys, two of the guys that do the analysis of it. Yeah. So I need to send you the audio or I'll, I'll post it as part of a podcast and you can listen to it because um, one of them is a doctor who went to Cambridge and Oxford and I don't think as hard as you and I could try, I don't think we could match their brain power. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially since they analyze these results all day. Yeah. But, um, Super cool. I thought I'd tell you uh, what they said. Yeah, I want to hear about it. And then you can tell me the practical application of how to do what they suggested. How about right. that? Yep. So this is where writing things down will help. Oh, man. I knew you'd come back. No, you don't, I'm, you don't have to write anything. I should. So what's your understanding of the process and the results and their recommendation? Okay, they said that um, I wasn't eating enough uh, because they looked at uh, just a snapshot of my training load and then my food log, which on my food log I did not count calories, uh, but I'm not big into counting calories. It would take a lot more it take near nearly an end of the world event to get me to count calories and uh so it doesn't actually have calorie count on the food log but they said uh it looked like i was woefully under fueling and they said they see that a lot and then because of that well i need to up my calories and i'll, I'll let me tell you some of the symptoms i was having yeah um, because that's important. That's what led to the whole thing. I was, and these have happened at different times in my, in the past, say five years. Um, I know for sure when I wasn't eating anywhere near enough, I was, uh, sleepy in the afternoon and having to take naps. And, uh, you and I talked about that a long time ago where I said I'd yeah. go get a milkshake and then I'd feel great. And then the sugar roller coaster. Yeah. Um, it's not so much sugar, it's just not enough calories, period, because... Well, that was back then, I mean, when you were doing the, like, no, not really having food, but having milkshakes to bring yourself back to life. That was really rare. That'd be like once a week, a milkshake, yeah. because, um, yeah, just, and a milkshake's just got so many calories in it, you know, fast acting, so, mm -hmm. um, but, and that's when I was at my skinniest, I was uh, easily, not easily, but up to 15 pounds lighter than I am now. And then I, uh, let's see, the thing that started happening recently was I was getting lightheaded and during workouts and, um, hypoglycemia episodes. Okay. And at first I was thinking that it was from you know, like sugar roller coaster and stuff. And then the, the more I thought about it and the more I analyzed what I was, what I was doing, I don't think that was from uh, sugary stuff either because I just don't eat sugary stuff. And in this blood test, um, my insulin uh, levels are really low. And they said if I was um, eating a lot of sugary stuff, well, my insulin levels would be a lot higher. Right. Okay, so then that kind of gets me back to just not eating enough, period. And that would 
um, make it so that I didn't have enough energy and I would get kind of crashy during a workout. Mm-hmm. And this is what I think was going on. I was, I was under fueled. Generally, uh, they yeah. said generally, not just for training. Right. And they could tell because on the blood test, um, my markers for protein, uh, uh, God, what's it called? Where your body's eating itself a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, the thing is called BUN. Right. And, uh, that, that marker was high and my blood sugar was a little bit high. And they said the body does that, um, because it's, it's needing energy. So, uh, it's consuming muscle mass or bone and stuff, which elevates your blood sugar for avail- so you have available glycogen um, because you're not eating enough in your day to day. Right. So you're burning your muscle. Yeah. Like protein burning. Yeah. And then, um, so the other thing, like, uh, I wasn't, I don't think I was over, I don't think I was over training because my HRV rate, my heart resting was, uh, Heart rate variability was uh, fine. Um, that's not in that test, but I, you know, I was testing that, and I've been overtrained before, and I know what that feels like, and I don't like that. So, like, I try to, and I get tons and tons of sleep, right? But I think what was going on is being underfueled and not having enough calories in general, and also because I do eat pretty healthy, and actually to the point of being too healthy. You know what I mean? Like, because I'm not now, I'm not getting in enough calories because I'm so focused on eating the right stuff that actually if you focus on food too much then you just you tend to not eat enough calories Mm -hmm. and then so when I was going out on a workout I would have to because I was I was hanging from a thread um, then I would need to fuel just to go out and have a workout because I wouldn't have enough energy and then I would eat sugary stuff to do that and that would raise and then crash my blood sugar um and also, I was doing caffeine before mm-hmm. work, and I still do some. But actually, that's kind of this whole thing's kind of gone away since I raised my calories. And mm-hmm. it would, but the caffeine accelerates that whole process, that that up and down. And, of course. And then I would get going on my workout, and then I, I would need sugary stuff to get out the door. And then twenty minutes in, I would bonk. Um, and then also, I'd have to pee like a bunch during workouts. Were you having caffeine generally or mainly just before workouts or to get yourself to be able to do a workout? Um, I was having caffeine generally. I like, I like coffee and stuff like that, you know, and green tea. Mm-hmm. But there was no way I was going to be able to go out and work out without it. And since right. I've corrected some things, which I'll tell you about, um, I can go out for a workout. and Like half the time now, I just kind of forget about it. You know what I mean? Like it, it's either there or it's not. It's not critical. Oh, caffeine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. But so I would have this up and down, and then um, a lot of times I would find and I would have to pee, you know, ten minutes, fifteen, twenty minutes into the into a run or a bike ride. Um, and I think what was going on there is the body's trying to concentrate blood sugar by dumping water out. That's something the body likes to do. And the and if you pee, then you're con- you're you're concentrating your blood. And also caffeine is a diuretic. Yeah, definitely. And, but since I've changed some stuff, the caffeine, it, it's not doing that e- anymore, even though I'm still drinking about the same amount of caffeine. Okay. Um, so what basically hanging from a thread, needing sugary stuff just to get going because I'm not eating enough. 
not because I don't eat healthy, um, but I just don't eat enough volume of healthy. Right. And then, um, then, yeah. Uh, so then the up and down crash of right. of that, and then um, being a little bit all this. You, if you put the pieces together, you know, being really focused on on uh, weight and uh, making sure that you know I'm not gaining weight and stuff like that, which leads to all this stuff. So the um, the guys said they're on a they're on a paleo. They're in kind of the paleo school of things. Okay. And so their recommendation um, is, of course, you know, more more fat and meat and less bread. And um, and I can I can totally go along with that. Um, I think a good portion of the bread that I do eat is really healthy bread, like Ezekiel and Genesis, Genesis and stuff like that. Yeah. But, but of course, you know, there's there's shit bread in there you know, on occasion, because that's what, when you go get, uh, egg, what do you call it? Egg, uh, breakfast burritos mm-hmm. here in town. That's what they put it in, you know, this white flour crap. Um, but what I, what I've done that seems to be fixing things for sure is I've upped my calories in general and I can, um, and then purposefully while doing that, actually what came first was me trying to go through a workout uh, and work through the bonk without, um, well, no, let me back up, is another thing I was doing was I was having to eat. This may be the biggest thing. I was having to eat something before I'd go work out, and it would have to be something substantial to give me the energy because I was so hungry, right? Right. Well, eating something substantial before you go work out is a bad idea because then a lot of times... You'll, I would bonk because I wouldn't have the reserves to be digesting that at the same time as working out. Mm-hmm. They conflict with each other because uh, it takes energy to digest the food. And because all that energy is going to digesting the food, then you don't have the inner energy going to your brain and then you get foggy and start bonking. Right. And so what I did was I forced myself to eat <laughs> less before a workout, like get up in the morning and eat almost nothing. Um, sometimes nothing, sometimes, a, uh, an Amrita bar or like uh, peanut butter and a banana, right? Something like that. <laughs> and, um, and then I noticed I didn't have that bonky feeling as much. And then after the workout, um, I would just have a much better workout in general. And then the bonky feeling started, I started timing it for a few workouts. It went from 12 minutes in to 20 minutes in to 30 minutes in to like, Never again, right? Okay. So now... Never again happened when you started to eat enough calories generally, not just around workouts, right? Yeah, okay. So I think what what happened was I ate less before the workout, so I have a better workout, and then something in my mind was like, okay, you now you now you eat after the workout's done, and I would eat more, and it gave me permission to eat more after the workout. Um, because now, um, I know that I I was going to digest it and I was going to need it and digest it and then have it available for my next workout eventually when that came along. So it was, it was not much more than just a flip flop of things. Okay. And then as things got better, um, even better then I'm working now, I've worked some on eating more and that seems to be okay. And then now what I'm looking into is 
um, eating more um, of what I eat more of, right? And what right. I eat. So that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. What does eating more look like for you? Okay, so at first it was eating more carbs uh, to give me the energy um, to do workouts without bonking, right? I From what sources? Fruit and I would say mostly fruit and rice, okay. fruit and rice, and um, not not really bread at all. I think no no change in that, right? Um, but giving myself permission to walk around eat eat more bananas and more apples. I love bananas and apples. Just eat those like crazy, right? Okay. And then I, uh, now what I'm looking at is after talking with, I had a call with them about two weeks ago where, or maybe a week and a half ago where the, um, the, uh, the Skype connection was really bad and we only had just a short time to talk and they just wanted to reschedule, um, so that we had a better connection. And okay. that's out of that short phone call, I got, Hey, you're, you're catabolic is the word that I was trying to remember. Mm -hmm. You're catabolic and uh, you're not eating enough. And I was like, okay. And so I started eating more. And now, um, uh, after their call a couple of days ago, um, it's, I don't know if they specifically said it or explicitly said it, but, um, I'm looking, I'm thinking eating more calories, um, from fat. Right. So a lot more olive oil, guacamole, coconut oil, and then also sat, sat I, yeah, they did mention saturated fat. Um, all I want on stuff to get that. They said it looked like I needed to eat near four to 5,000 calories a day with some of the stuff I do. Mm -hmm. And that I, I was eating maybe 3,000 calories a day. Right. Okay. So I was looking at upping. So the past couple of days, I've been, uh, well, maybe a day, day and a half. I've been uh, adding olive oil and more guacamole. And I'm trying to think uh, coconut butter and butter butter, regular cow butter on stuff to get the extra calories. Mm -hmm. And I've only done two workouts. They were both runs off of that. And I felt fantastic, like just limitless energy. And I, th I think that I've, I've definitely turned a major corner. And this was like more than a week ago like this is like a month ago i started turning the corner on the whole sugary bonking thing that's when i was really working on that mm -hmm. and um and like i said i've never been you know i eat so healthy that being sugar being so sugar dependent i don't think that was really my problem because when i do go when i do nail my fueling and and have and eat enough i actually don't need that much I can actually go a long, 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 long time on just, you know, 200 calories an hour, you know, mm -hmm. it's, and pretty fast. And I don't, uh, I don't bonk and stuff like that. Um, so I'm looking more at like, I don't need like this. I don't think I need this huge, like fat adaptation process of, I think I'm actually already kind of there because I'm right. not, I'm not, and working on that might actually be detrimental like trying to go like super low carb and stuff like that i think yeah i agree you need balance yeah. didn't they also say that your protein was low because when i looked at your food yeah. log mm -hmm. it looked like your protein was low although it's hard from the food log that you sent to yeah. see the amount because i don't see amounts right and they're like you know well they, they picked on something they said uh you wrote here that you had two eggs uh with dinner Right. And then I had some, you know, veggie kind of stuff or whatever. And they said, two eggs is not enough. You need like three eggs, four eggs. 
And so, like, something in addition to having eggs, right? It, that yeah. also has protein. Yeah, exactly. So the uh, I think my problem is, Christine, is that as a out as a solo, I'm a solo artist, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't have anybody else around me. I don't live in Boulder or San Diego or something like that, and I don't have successful people around me that I'm sitting at, at the sport sitting right. next to me eating that are, I, you know, I don't, I don't sit down and have a meal with Rachel Joyce or um, Crowey or something like that and kind of see how much protein they're putting down, you know? Right. And so I think my, they also, you know what else they mentioned that was awesome. They said, um, this didn't, it, this didn't make the recording. They said, you follow a bunch of like blogs and, uh, and news about uh, healthy eating and stuff, I bet. And I said, yeah. And they go, yeah, that's a problem. (laughs) (laughs) It leads you to not eat enough. Well, because you you get a lot of information coming from different directions and it's all conflicting and then you're not sure what to follow. And I'll tell you something that you do Mm -hmm. is that you'll you'll get excited about something that you hear and you'll start to follow it. But then you get distracted by something else you read or hear, yeah. and then yeah. you'll you'll kind of like morph what you're presently doing into kind of the next thing with mm. the next influence, and it's always like you described what you were doing for a while as paleo-ish, or it's always ish, whatever uh, uh. it is. It's like undecided, and it's almost never truly based on what you need what your body is looking for and what your body needs. It's more based on out it's external, like what you're reading um, and less paying attention to your own body and your own needs. Um, so what, and so, so what? you need to be more conscious about the ish part and kind of make a plan ahead of time and stick to the plan that's balanced for a while for a set period of time, have a plan. This is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to follow it until this point. And then I'm going to reflect and say, how was that? And then I can move on to the next thing if I want to be experimenting. But you're in this constant state of experimenting with different things that you hear and see. And so you jump from one way of eating to the next and your body just never really adapts to anything and doesn't totally know what to do. Um, And it's also really difficult to stick to anything because you can't form form habits. And so when you say it's paleo-ish or vegan-ish or whatever it is, it's because it takes a while to organize your life around eating a certain way. And there's like a trial and error period. So for everyone, as you start to follow a different type of diet, there's a period of time where you adjust and your life settles around it and you're getting into your habits and you don't really stick with anything long enough to get to that point. So you're always almost following it, but not really, which that's okay. Honestly, my opinion is that there isn't one diet that works for everyone. There isn't a diet out there that anyone should just follow to a T because that's going to be like the perfect prescription for them. A lot of the time it's like 80%, 90%, 60% of a certain theory really speaks to you, but then some of it doesn't. And so you don't have to follow them all 100%. So the ish part, like paleo-ish, that's okay. Or 
vegan-ish, that's okay if that's what works for you, but you're never going to know what works unless you're more conscious of what you're doing and you have specific goals that you follow for a set period of time before you get distracted by the next thing. So, you know, two or three weeks is a good period of time to kind of outline, this is what I'm going to do and be specific and stick to it and then reflect how did that go for me? Which parts was I not really able to follow? And, you know, I failed with this goal or this portion of it or um, this part didn't make me feel so great or whatever it is. Um, and then move on to the next thing because I just think knowing you and also reading some of our back and forth, it seems like you never really know completely what you're doing with your diet. Yeah, I've, there have been times where I've stuck with something for a long time. And then uh, the thing that, that um, doesn't work for me is, you know, sticking with something and then sticking with something too long. Yeah, I like to switch before some stuff gets really, really bad when I can tell that something's not not working. Uh, what I'm saying is you can hold on to the parts that are working and then incorporate some of the new ideas, but you don't have to switch entirely away from something that's, um, you know, from the pieces that are working for you. Like you've heard me say before, your perfect diet is the Brett diet. And so it's just a matter of figuring out what the Brett diet is. It's not paleo, it's not vegan, it's the Brett diet. And just yeah. a matter of figuring that out. And then with this blood test, which by the way, I think is so cool. It's almost a good thing that I can't test my own blood or do it for my clients because yeah. I would test my blood like every morning and then base what I was going to eat, eat that day and I'd become obsessive because I'm so fascinated by this part. Yeah. Seeing what areas were low, what we need to do to improve, how one area can start a domino effect and cause issues with our other areas. It's also fascinating. But if you think about what happens when you're not eating enough food, you're not eating enough calories, what else are you not getting enough of? And the answer is everything. So yeah. Yeah. when you're not, you're just simply not giving yourself enough fuel, you're going to be low on all different vitamins and nutrients that you need your protein will be low everything's low so when people really try to limit themselves and do a lot of calorie restricting you know of course your vitamin d is going to be low um, of course your stomach acid's going to be a mess you're just not getting enough of the things that you need yeah and one thing that that i'm definitely much better at now is saying no to uh, jumping on new things or like somebody telling me I need to do something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, no, not going to do that. And they're yeah. like, why not? And I'm like, because I know myself and then I, I judge things on whether they're going to make me happy or not, you know, mm -hmm. and like look a little bit deeper. And That's important too. Yeah. Uh, and like what I, like my true values and like, and whether that value is actually harmful or helpful. Uh, mm -hmm. And yeah, somebody will say, I need to do this one style of workout. And I'm like, no, that's not going to work for me. And uh, I love it, actually. But you, have, you have to be self-confident and I think get a little bit older and say, you know, I've been down that road and I'm not going to do that. Um, right. So the, uh, and I've also tried so many different diets, right, that now I know 
when somebody says, oh, you need to do this. And I'm like, nah, <laughs> I've done that. Yeah, exactly. You start to realize yeah. that a lot of the diets that you hear about, the new yeah. things that you hear about, it's just a different packaging on an old theory and they mm -hmm. cycle through and they come back and, you know, it's, it's basically there's like three or four different types of diets, but we put different, you know, book covers on them and names and then promote them until people are like, did you try this thing? And it's exactly like the thing you tried four years ago, but just with a different name. Yeah. So I was considering, and what I've been doing is um, I already eat a wide variety of foods, um, lots of veggies, and, and, uh, and um, I was kind of going low on fruit and too low, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, trying to, I was getting a little bit sucked into... Uh, you know, low carb, right? Um, which I think I I don't I don't have a problem with that at all. I think it's more along the lines of everything's relative. So low carb for me is high carb for somebody else. I think mm -hmm. um, it, depending on the volume of stuff that you're doing, and I think that's trying to translate um, theories and concepts into a five thousand calorie a day diet is you know, like what that looks like on a plate is uh, difficult uh, for people. And well, yeah, go ahead. It's what it looks like on your plate too, because everybody's plates are different, but yeah. it needs to look like balance. And so if you're looking at trying to tackle the getting enough calories through mainly increasing fat, you, you need to also consider increasing your protein too. And I'm wondering, are you sitting down for meals? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Or are you having mainly snacks throughout the day? Well, when I wasn't eating enough, I was snacking throughout the day. And not I, really like having a big meal? Definitely not sitting down for, I, I would sit down to eat, but I would stop as soon as I'm not hungry anymore, right? Well, then yeah, with I that I would, uh, like I said, it's that feeling of like hanging by a thread. I'd go like an hour and I need to eat something else. I'd go for an hour and need to eat something else. Yeah. Um, because I'm starving. And, right. Uh, well, not starving, but, and then, uh, it's giving yourself enough fuel to make it through the next hour, not the next four hours. Right. And then I would go for a workout and not have enough energy to have like a solid workout without supplementing, even though it's an hour workout without supplementing with a bunch of, uh, sugary stuff to get it done. And then that led to, um, fear of like, man, I can't do workouts without sugary stuff. I must be sugar addicted from eating so much mm. sugary stuff. And then now I'm kind of past that and saying, no, I don't think I was sugar addicted to any sugary stuff. I don't like sugary. You know, I was getting comments from people like, you need to eat uh, sugar-free, you know, uh, unsweetened tea and don't put sugar in your coffee. And I'm like, dude, I haven't done that ever in my entire life. <laughs> I'm right. so low sugar, like healthy, you know. I'm like, I, I just don't think that's the problem. And then when they are... But it took people actually looking at my food log to say, I just don't think you're eating enough, period. And So then, what do you think of this idea? Which what one? if you have three meals a day, actual meals, mm -hmm. and two snacks, roughly around that, and for each time that you are about to have your meal or your snack, you say, where's my protein and where's my healthy fat? And just make sure you have something that represents protein and something that represents healthy fat for each of those times that you're going to eat something. 
And that would be more balanced and easy to track. Yeah, I'm definitely doing that, Christine. So okay. like I just had lunch before we called and it was a salad with guacamole and it also had uh, carnitas, which is Mexican pork, right? marinated pork. And, uh, and then uh, rice and, and uh, refried beans mixed in and then uh, pico de gallo and fresh mm -hmm. jalapeno. So lot, lots of good stuff in there. Okay. Um, and then, uh, and lots of calories. And I, so what I'm doing is I'm eating uh, those meals, those three meals, uh, I'm eating a bigger portion mm -hmm. and um, I'm making sure that there's more fat and stuff and more protein and a lot more fat and more protein. And then what I'm noticing is not only, you know, do I not, because uh, at first it was, you know, trying to make it through the workout without fueling with any sugary stuff. And now there's no chance I need anything for an hour workout. <laughs> right. And, uh, and the hour workout, uh, well, I've done two hour runs and barely needed anything. I'm not saying that's healthy, but I'm just saying like, you know, cause I think at some point you need to eat something, but I'm just like, holy cow, I'm not running off of fumes anymore. Right. I'm right. topped Definitely. off with way more calories. Um, but now the calories that I'm taking in are from healthy foods at meals, right? And not mm -hmm. Gatorade powder, you know, yes. up my nose, you know, right. at 150 beats per minute. Trying right. to, I just don't, I don't need it. And you um, don't have to stuff your face to be able to do this. It's not like you've had to feel like you're eating four times as much food as you normally do when you sit down to a meal. Because I know you would... You got into the habit of just stopping when you're not hungry anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. But for you, that happens really quickly. Yeah. Um, and so you're having to go a little bit beyond that point, I'm sure. Yeah. But what you're getting now is balance of the macronutrients. You're having... So you're eating more regularly and more reliably. And so what's happening is that your body is now able to trust after doing this for a while, it's now able to trust that you're going to be getting the nutrients you need and the calories you need. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to go into this survival mode of um, eating your muscle away. Yeah. Because it knows, okay, I don't need to do that. Now I get food when I need food, which is regularly. Yeah. And, and so I was running this morning thinking about, I was having gosh, last night and this morning, just having such phenomenally good runs where I start singing to myself. And that's an indicator that, you know, I'm well-fueled or I'm just like happy. Oh yeah. Happy enough to be, if I start humming along and singing to myself and talking to my dog, like you're such a good boy when you run, you're so handsome. Right. <laughs> but I'm like, I know that's an indicator that, and that was, you know, that's 45 minutes in, you know, on nothing, no fuel. And just like, like, uh, uh, that's such a turnaround from what it used to be. And, um, and it feels like if I wanted to go m way faster, I'd have no problem doing that whatsoever. Right. right. I wasn't running on the edge of, of needing anything. Um, and, uh, it seems to me, oh, so I was thinking about this while I'm running, I'm like, uh, okay, so the extra calories that I need, like, like you're just saying, it's hard for me to overeat or maybe even to eat enough 
because I get full so easy because I've been doing this for so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, but it's really easy to get the calories and via fat because it's so much fats, you know, more than twice as many calories mm-hmm. um, per volume. And so all I got to do is just put some, put some more olive oil on or avocado oil or eat some guacamole or some coconut oil or butter or whatever on what I'm eating and bam, I've just added another, you know, however many hundred, 200, 300, 400 calories uh, per meal. And then that isn't, um, that's, that's, that's fuel that stays with me uh, all the way through, you know, for a day or two, I guess, and isn't like two, 300, 400 calories of carbs that is going to spike me, my blood sugar, and then make me feel uh, low afterwards. Right. Some of that is fine, and where it's healthy fats, you definitely yeah. will benefit from adding some of the healthy fats when you were under eating before, but don't let that take the place of protein. I can't stress enough how important it is that you get enough protein with your activity level. Okay, so let's talk and about so, that. Well, like, what are some good you proteins? Want, you don't want to just say, oh, well, if I add all this oil to my food, mm-hmm. then now my meal's 400 calories more. This isn't just about calories. This is about your macronutrient balance, and that's gotcha. your carb and your fats and your proteins. Okay. So if you are to think about every time that you eat a snack or a meal, where's my protein? What's my protein source? And make sure that you're having protein that regularly that will be a step in the right direction. Okay, I can do that. So don't do that. just say, I'm going to add oil. Also, add some protein. Um, and I know you're getting protein because you like to eat a lot of things with protein. Mm-hmm. But I just don't want you to let adding these healthy fats in crowd out the protein that you should be adding. Because if you need to increase a couple of things in order to achieve balance while also increasing your total caloric intake and which is really just fueling enough fueling enough isn't just getting more calories cuz right. i can eat 5000 calories of completely the wrong thing and end up in the same position that you were in when you started looking into getting your blood tested so you want it to be balanced so you want to make sure that you're also getting um, you're increasing the fuel of your fats and your proteins as well. Carbs come easily for you, and carbs come easily for everyone because honestly, it's so easy to just grab some carbs. Right. So that's easy. You don't even really have to tell people to increase carbs when you tell them to eat more because they're just naturally going to do it. But um, don't just focus on the fats, you want to also add protein. So what would be some good higher protein things that you could add to a diet to up well, protein? What, do you, what are you eating for protein now? Um, eggs. The uh, salad I had had, <laughs> and like 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 before, they would put this huge scoop of meat on it, you know, and I'd be like, oh, that no no no, like uh, half that. That's that's plenty, you know. And now I'm like, oh, that's great, you know this. All this pork is fine. And then, um, I'm trying to think, what did we have for dinner last night? Uh, salmon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I kind of skimped on the salmon a little bit. Like, Why? Uh, well, I, yeah, I'm so used to, um, I still think 
Christine, that my mind has been affected by that time that I was vegan for about a year. Yeah. I think portions get way out of whack in your mind of uh, meat. Mm -hmm. um, and it's hard to come back. I've got post-vegan uh, traumatic stress syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think... I think Combining different types of protein would be good for you, mixing it up. So yeah. let's say you have a salad that has a little bit of meat. Um, maybe you also have an egg cut up on there. You can also throw some chickpeas on there. Mix it up because all these different sources of protein are made up of a different combination of amino acids, and it's the amino acids that make it a complete protein. So when you combine different ones, you're more likely to have it be more complete. Yeah. Um, so you can mix, just get in the habit of throwing some beans on the different foods that you're eating. Um, That's whatever true. you were having that night where he said two eggs isn't enough, mm -hmm. you can have something else with that. You can have some fish with that. If you feel like, um, the portions are too big of fish or meat or whatever it is, just add something else with it that's another type of protein. And then you can really mix it up. Like, um, so lately I've been way into um, doing these uh, cabbage wraps. And by the way, cabbage is really good for um, increasing hydrochloric acid, mm -hmm. um, which is, well, we didn't even get to that, but that was another thing that came up in your blood test. Um, but having like a cabbage leaf and then I'll make quinoa and that has that's a good source of protein mm -hmm. and I'll add in some like white beans or chickpeas and I do pesto um to give it some flavor and then a bunch of chopped up veggies and maybe some hard-boiled egg or something like that or maybe some I like smoked salmon I have a lot of smoked salmon and I'll make put that all into a wrap so that's like four different types of protein mixed in to right. that meal plus it's a whole bunch of veggies and it has quinoa, which is a grain, but there's, it, that's only a piece of the meal. There's a lot of other, um, players coming into the meal with, you know, the veggies and the, um, protein. So that's so easy to make. I'll make a huge bowl of that and I'll eat that for lunch, like, you know, for a few days. You know, I think I've got another uh, hang up on protein where uh, my family, we have a colon cancer that runs in my family. Yeah. And I think that um, in the back of my mind, I worry about protein because uh, like high intensity protein, if that <laughs> hip training, yeah. high intensity protein uh, can contribute, make that, you know, come on or make it worse or something like that. I think that's something that I've kind of assembled this image in my mind and I kind of need to work on that a little bit. Yeah, a lot of people actually have that fear and a lot of that comes from just people's main focus is meat and they eat so much meat and they don't combine it with like what happens when you eat spaghetti and meatballs? How hard is that going to be to digest? Like without any veggies, it's a bunch of like white carbs and a whole bunch of meat and of course that's going to digest slowly and start to cause problems. Mm -hmm. Um, but you're, that's why the combining different types of protein, like I was just saying, yeah, combining beans with, um, maybe quinoa and eggs and fish and whatever the meats are that you want to have. 
so that you're mixing it up, that's going to help everything run through more quickly because then you're having more fiber with the animal proteins and also eating um, veggies with it will yeah. help to digest the food better, the meat better. So, you know, that will also take care of that. I really think that combining different types of protein um, for you will help. And that's as easy as just throwing some beans on something that you're having already. So yeah. just another protein opportunity. If you're going to munch on an apple, then you might as well just have it with some kind of a nut butter or something so that you're getting some fat and some protein in there too for a snack instead of just an apple. Yeah, I agree. The... Uh I, I'm definitely big on beans. Like that's not a problem for me whatsoever. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, well, cool. Let's um let's uh, switch topics and talk about how you uh, overcame your your fear of uh of eating contests and won one straight up. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Um, I I laughed so hard at that video of you. <laughs> I was like, this is a poster child of somebody proving that you can be lean and fit. And uh, not let food like dominate your, you know, like being afraid of some kind of food dominate your behavior. And like you could even, so what, what I'm talking about, uh, I'm going to post a link to this on the website, is Christine posted on Twitter a video. Who was shooting the video, Christine? Was uh, it John? Was, yeah, my friend Anya, yeah. Oh, Anya, okay. So after some kind of race that you were in, it looked like. We that, did, we did like a, it's like a um, rugged maniac. Yeah. Which is an obstacle race. An obstacle race, which John won overall? Yeah, he won overall. <laughs> okay, and then there's Christine up there in uh, what looks like some kind of workout outfit of not much. Because I just did the race. Yeah, you're not wearing that much, so you can totally see that you're lean. Like, you're super lean, fit, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's this table, and they, they, you, you started this eating contest, and, um, and then you won the whole thing. And I was telling Emily, I said, yeah, there's a thing where skinny people actually have a better chance at winning eating contests mm -hmm. because they're, um, they don't have a layer of fat like restricting their, their stomach. Uh -huh. And you can actually like, like pressing in on your stomach. And there's like that Japanese guy that's super famous for eating the most hot dogs. Right. And he's right. like this, this skinny little guy, right? And mm -hmm. then um, so you, have, uh, you ate how many pies and how fast, do you know? Oh, is this everyone? There were nine of us, I uh -huh. think, and we each, it was whoever could eat a whole cherry pie first. Oh, okay. I got it. Yeah. And I don't know how fast it was. I could look at the, it's got cut into two videos. I could look how long the videos were because that has the whole thing. Um, <laughs> but I'm still uh, laughing about it. It's so funny. I was looking around and they, the other people were like, maybe still had like a quarter left or a half left by the time I was done. But I'll tell you why I won. Why? Is oh. that John won the entire obstacle race. Uh -huh. And we also went with our friend Anya, and she won the pull-up contest. Oh, and wow. I was the only one who hadn't won anything. So and I was going to be the lame one, and they were going to have to take me out back and shoot me because I, don't, I didn't win anything. So then they announced a pie eating contest and I'm like hmm I wonder if I can do that because I don't like pie uh, yeah, so I, I could just like suck it down really fast and I was like curious how that would go and also the reason why I'm able to do something like silly and crazy like that is okay. because I don't obsess over food I just eat 
healthfully and I make good food choices and I take care of my body so that if I do something like that once in a blue moon, Mm -hmm. it's Uh just like fun and silly and I know how to take care of my body after and the next day to feel better. Like we've talked so much about like the yin and yang of cravings and if you eat a ton of sugar, what's going to happen to you afterwards and the types of foods I'd have to eat afterwards to balance out the amount of sugar that I just ate and um, you know what foods to eat to move that whole process through quickly to like not have this pie sitting in my body forever so like lots of veggies and good fiber afterwards and that kind of thing yeah and um, so I didn't care I wasn't worried about it and plus of course there's like um, I love being like this tiny fit person going up there and just schooling this pie and all these big guys that look like you know they could eat any amount of food quickly so my strategy was um when when you uh chew food what you do is you form a bolus that's like a ball in your mouth Uh and, and that's and then you swallow it but naturally you don't think about it you just form a bolus and you chew on either side and it makes this wet like ball that's easier to swallow right and so I was thinking if I just got handfuls of this pie which I don't care how it goes in because they don't like it anyway Uh um I was making like these boluses with my hands and mixing water it was really nasty but just kind of like breaking it up I was imagining I was digesting it with my hands like what my mouth would have done so that I smashed it up into like small balls with some of the water that we had, and then I was able to swallow it from there without having to waste time chewing it. Yeah, they were definitely chewing, and you weren't. You were like no. <laughs> slurping it with like a shovel. Broke it really small. So yeah. the difference is then that wasn't mixed with all of the digestive enzymes that come through with um, when you chew. Yeah. You release digestive enzymes that help break down the food. But that's one reason why like competitive eating with pie is not so bad because you can really break it down um yeah it's turned into jelly in your gut. yeah i yeah. think um if it were like hot dog eating i would just i don't think i'd ever be able to look at a hot dog again yeah and i think it would be a lot harder to do something like that and it would the idea of uh, doing it with a hot dog would actually bother me <laughs> so yeah. anyway so so i um i really killed it yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> it's so funny. The irony of how skinny you are and versus that you just, just demolished the, everybody else in this contest. And I'm looking around and nobody else has anything. Like, it's not on their face. I had pie flying everywhere, all over my face and yeah. my hair. It was, like, getting on the audience because we were on a big stage. Yeah. Um, so there was like a pie splash zone, but everyone else wasn't um, getting it on themselves. And I was looking around thinking like, do you guys not even care? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just came up here to eat a pie on stage? Yeah. It, it, Want was, an it was such a, like a, a lesson in like how you can have fun by not letting food, you know, dominate your mindset and, yep. uh, and control your behavior. Um, yeah, I would love for you to get a little bit closer to being there because honestly, when I first studied nutrition, mm-hmm. um, I was hyper focused on everything and look always like trying different experiments of different 
kinds of diets and just thinking about it as much as you do. And it's really exhausting. But the reason we do it is because we aren't quite sure what's the best thing for us. So once you get to a place where you can feel confident in what you're doing, like I'm taking care of my body in the way that I need to, then you don't have to think, think about it yeah. so yeah. much. And you can really relax and, you know, not worry. Right. And you can kind of you can have treats here and there or do something a little crazy or have a bad eating day or, you know, whatever, you know you're going to be fine. You don't have to stress about it because it was, you go back to the way that you were before. Right. Yeah. Um, and I agree. Like I've, I've, I've constantly gotten better and better and better. And the, the things that I, that I've learned to avoid and not get into is, you know, another, like I don't listen to any podcasts anymore, and I haven't for a while about uh, uh, food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's nothing that they're gonna say that I haven't already heard somewhere, you know. And right. then, uh, and then it just makes you too focused on food. And uh, and then I also don't listen to podcasts that have once they start talking about some new training regime, you know, and method, I turn that off too. Like I'm like I'm not interested in that. Uh, yeah. Because I already train enough. I don't need to train more. <laughs> and I already eat healthy. I don't need to eat. What? You can get to a place where you, like we always say every time we talk, is people are bio-individual. And so if you can hear those things and think, like, wow, this is great. This really works for this person. And they're different from me. And maybe some of this works for me, maybe not. But this yeah. is what works for them. And I'm happy for them that that works for them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, so I got a question for you. Yeah. Uh, to wrap this up. Um, so one thing I'm noticing is some of my workouts, probably, I, I don't know, like half of them, um, I'm not hungry afterwards at all. Now, if I'm not hungry, um, there's, there's still the issue of, well, you know, a good time to take carbs in for my next workout, either that night or tomorrow or something like that, is going to be uh, well-fueled. You know, I should eat something anyway uh, so that, yeah, so that I'm, I'm, you know, it's a good time to fuel back up. Right. Now, should I uh, listen to that, or and and uh, should I listen to my my body and say, "Oh, you're not hungry now. Don't worry about it." Or uh, should I kind of make sure I still eat something anyway, even though I don't, I'm not hungry? Because I, I guess what's going on is the body's released hormones, you know, to suppress hunger because it's like, well, you're working out, so you don't really, you shouldn't be eating because you're fight or flight right now. Right. And uh, so you, hunger is not an issue. We're going to turn hunger off. Um, should I eat something anyway? Well, you've, you have to keep in mind, listening to your body, mm-hmm. for you, you've trained yourself to not eat enough. And your body is crying out for you to eat more. Mm-hmm. And so you need to have an adjustment period where you sort of have to listen to your body with a grain of salt. <laughs> so... Um, Think about the bigger picture when that happens. Like, I think about doing, you know, some days I have one workout, some days I have two workouts. Often there's a meal soon following a workout. Mm -hmm. And so I'll think, you know, well, you know, it's going to be lunchtime or dinner time in an hour or whatever. So I don't have to make sure I have a snack right afterwards. Um, So think about the big picture of the day. Have you eaten enough food that day? Um, and if you feel like you've had a, like three good meals and you've had a couple of snacks and it's the end of the day and you're not hungry and you don't want anything, 
then yeah, you could skip it or you could have a smoothie or something like that. Um, but also think about the size of the workout. So sometimes I'll do a really long, intense workout and I'm often not hungry after that, but that's just because of what I just put my body through. So yeah, I can do like a two and a half hour long run and I'm not hungry after, but I know I probably need something. Yeah. So what was the workout? Um, was it an hour or less and not super intense? And you feel like you've eaten enough that day, then that's fine. You don't need to eat anything. But if you think that you're not hungry and you also haven't had lunch yet and it's lunchtime, maybe you need to think about eating anyway. So it's looking at the big picture, the whole scope of the day. Right. Hey, Does you that know, make sense? yeah, that totally makes sense. Uh, and you also made me remember, you know, you just said you need to take it with a grain of salt. And our last podcast that you were on we were talking about salt yeah and you know and you were saying that salt helps food digest better right right and it hit me like after that phone call after that inter, uh, interview skype chat um, yeah that the saying grain of salt take this with a grain of salt comes from um the idea of hey you're going to need to digest this better right <laughs> this, this thought <laughs> Because salt increases your hydrochloric acid, which yeah. is your stomach acid that digests your food. So when people are like, really, should I, should I add some salt to my food to make it digest it better? Yeah, because it, there's a saying. <laughs> well, <laughs> take this with salt. a grain. Sea salt. Yeah, but take this with a grain of salt. You know, take the mm -hmm. saying with a grain of salt because it'll help you understand it better. Yeah, that probably is yeah. where that, came, that comes from. I thought That's that was funny. so funny. Okay, well, I'm going to work on these things, and on another, when we have you back on again, maybe we can go over things like B12 and vitamin D and stuff yeah. like that that was in my yeah. test. Yeah, and I want to know, we'll go over those things, but I'll want to know mm -hmm. um, what you did specifically and how you're feeling specifically. For which thing? Like um, increasing, keeping the balance mm -hmm. and increasing not just the number of calories, but balancing out the macronutrients that you're increasing where did you get more protein oh, if yeah. you have to increase everything where did you get more protein right and that kind of thing right and that that leads me to another thing i wanted to mention was um having realized uh gosh maybe about a year or more ago people started pointing out to me that i bounce around too much between things yeah i was like okay um how do I work on that? And so what I do is when I change something, I try to change just uh, one thing for a while yep. and watch that and enjoy it, right? Enjoy mm -hmm. the process. So I was working with Tawny and she's like, you need to do this and this and this. And I'm like, uh, let's slow down. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to do just one thing and just wait and like kind of see how that goes. So, yeah. um, and I'm really, oh my gosh, I love doing it because the first thing I did was say, okay, I'm just going to increase calories, period. Right. Right. And then, boom, felt better, right? And then now it's, uh, I've increased fat, and I feel, of course, that feels great because it's fat. Fat's awesome. And then now, yeah, you're saying, okay, Increase the balance increase, of the macronutrients. Right, and so I'm going to slowly move that and watch it as I, as I change it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's how I'm going to do that. Is, Perfect. Is, uh, 
and definitely the beans is, is an easy, and, and then I find that if I, you know, like with just working on one thing, being my big thing for a couple weeks to a few weeks, like you said, mm-hmm. then, um, I can actually pay attention to it and then work on it without, um, uh, that's my big thing right now, you know, is yep, exactly. just yep, adding more beans. That's how I, um, <laughs> work with my nutrition clients and talk to them every two weeks. And then we come up with two or three action items that they're held accountable for. And I make sure that they're measurable um, and they're very specific so that they're not having to keep track of a million different things and feeling all confused. They just are focusing on these very specific things for two weeks until I talk to them and ask them, how did it go and did you do it? And then we move on to the next thing to focus on. And it's yeah. better if it's a process like that so that you build on what you did, just like what you're doing now. And if you change too many things, this is a, I work in IT and, and the, the big thing with working on computers or networks is you don't change a whole bunch of things at once because then you don't know, when something breaks, you don't know what broke it. Yep. So, or when something fixes it, you don't know what fixed it. Yeah. And so, okay, well, this computer's not working. Okay, well, replace the monitor and the power cord and upgrade the operating system. Well, you don't know which thing actually was exactly. that, that broke it or that fixed it. And so I've learned with, with IT stuff many years ago, you just fix one thing at a time and then, uh, and then you watch to see what happens. So I'm big on that. Okay, cool. So how can people get in touch with you? Uh, Christine with a C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E uh-huh. at liveandeatbetter.com. Also, Holistic Guru on Twitter mm-hmm. and Holistic Guru on Facebook. Cool. Well, awesome. And the same on Instagram, but I don't really use it. Yeah. That's okay if you're not Someday. that into it. <laughs> yep. If you, subscribe, if you subscribe to me on Instagram, you'll just see pictures of my dog. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Mine's so kind of the same. Well, it's my food and my dog. Yeah. All right. Cool. Okay, well, stay on. Hold on a second. We're going to hang up for the public, but you, you hang on. Okay, hold on. All right, we are back. Thank you, Christine. I love having her on the show. She is so cool. I've done a couple or, or several uh, triathlon training camps with her, and she's so much fun. All right. Let's see, we have now uh, cards and letters, as Vinny Tortorich would say. Maybe I'll get to see him when I go to San Diego next week. Maybe not. L.A. is still a little ways away from San Diego, but we do have some fun stuff happening here on the interwebs. And let me go to Reddit. Okay, so Reddit slash r slash Zen Triathlon, our little subgroup, uh, is getting some traction here. Um, first off, uh, in the intro message I wrote, <laughs> uh, I am B wrote sup, uh, O'Neill 66 said, Hey guys, exclamation point, been a listener for a while now and a Redditor for a while too, exclamation point. Now two of my worlds have collided, exclamation point. Awesome, double exclamation point. I hope Brett reads this on the show, exclamation point. That's why every sentence ends with an exclamation point, exclamation point. And I wrote back, it shall be read. I always read the exclamation points when somebody writes them, or at least until I get tired of it. But you get the point, exclamation point. And uh, let's see, Um, somebody asked... Uh, Zen Resources. Um, who is this? 
Where'd you go? Uh, scan it. Scan Tiger. I'm sure something else. But anyway, I am wondering what books, websites, documentaries, etc. people have looked at to help learn more about Zen and how these have impacted your training method or philosophy. And I wrote, uh, everybody feel free, you know, to write in as well. No, I, <laughs> what I say is not the uh, end all. But um, I started, this is me writing, uh, and I'm Zen Tri Brett on Reddit. Uh, I started with a book called The Three Pillars of Zen. And um, I've heard a lot of people say that. Uh, that thoroughly rocked my world to read a cartoon book that I ended up picking up at an airport or something like that called uh, Zen Speaks, which I'll never forget. It is so good, um, which is still my favorite. Uh, more random books after that, but then discovered Zen podcasts, most notably dharmaseed.org. Uh, any spoken word by Gil Fransdahl or Jack Cornfield is amazing. And there used to be a podcast called Zencast, which was pretty much the same thing. I need to look into that to see what happened to it. It was so amazing. Anyway, but they're talks given by Zen masters. And that's what I would listen to while going for long bike rides in the countryside. And Buddhist masters, Zen masters, religious masters, spiritual masters, uh, just amazing stuff. Anyway, and now we're going to drink a beer. Mm. I'm drinking an inversion IPA from Deschutes Brewery, uh, which is out of Bend, Oregon, and I've actually been on a tour of the brewery. Thank you for Drew uh, letting me stay at his house while I mountain biked on a two-niner, a niner, 29er, fully decked out with XTR everything down a path at one point, down a trail called... uh, Indoor or Ewok Village or whatever. It's freaking crazy. Bend is the most beautiful place I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Okay, now, Bend, Oregon. Let's leave Reddit and go to emails and such. You can help support the show by uh, getting Hornet Juice and also donating to the podcast. If you find information on this show useful, you can donate to Zentry. And um, go to Zentrathon.com, scroll down the left-hand side, there's a PayPal button, and support the show. And it goes right towards server costs, oh my gosh, bike maintenance costs, like all this crap. And it's, it's amazing how much the sport costs, and I just constantly want more and more people to get into it and have fun, and have fun gracefully. So I'm constantly giving tips so that we can all be out there. And for example, I'll give you a tip right now. I just ordered latex tubes, Vitora, V-I-T-T-O-R-I-A maybe, uh, makes latex tubes. That's the, that's the brand that I buy. And latex tubes plus uh, Continental Grand Prix 4000S2 <laughs> tires. All you need those GP4000s, Continental GP4000s, plus latex tubes are the fastest uh, tire and tube combination out there on earth. They are crazy fast. Over an Ironman, they'll probably save you, uh, I'm just guessing, like 10, 10 minutes over the course of an Ironman, maybe 15 minutes. I don't know. It's it's just amazing how much faster. And the latex plus those, those tires um, just feel incredible while you're riding. So go check that out if you want to be faster. I just put uh, the GP4000s on uh, my son's bike to help him be faster. 
and I had a, a spare uh, set laying around, and they're about 50 bucks each, maybe a little bit more, and support your local bike shop by buying them there if you can. And then um, if you have a flat with your latex tubes, you cannot use a CO2 to fill them back up. Your spare tube needs to be a butyl, which would be black. Latex is either, they're hardly ever, I can't imagine them being black. They're like pink or green or tan. Um, they're made out of the same stuff as condoms. And um, the CO2 molecule is smaller than regular air molecule. So if you use a CO2 cartridge to pump it up, and latex tubes lose air, probably 20 PSI overnight, maybe 30. So you, um, because the membrane, uh, latex has more permeability than regular butyl black tubes, and so they don't hold air as long. And um, then you take you add in the fact that CO2 is a smaller molecule than regular air, which is probably mostly nitrogen and some other stuff. Then the um, it leaks out so fast that if you have a flat and then you try to put a latex tube in and then CO2 it to fill it up, the air will leak out super fast and you will go um, nowhere <laughs> on your newly flat tire. And then you'll think there's something wrong with the tube and there's not, it's fine. And the tubes run like 17, 19 bucks and you can patch them with regular tire patch stuff, which is cool. So how about that? How about all that info on how to race better and uh, train better and good tips like that? So if you find stuff like that helps you out, then go support Zentri. I got lots more where that comes from. I've been riding bikes and uh, BMX since I was like nine years old and uh, being an idiot on two wheels uh, all this time. So I got lots and lots and lots of lots of tips for you. Okay. Um, but the donations are what makes this show run, and I really appreciate it. And then also, you can become a, uh, oh, you can get Hornet juice, and Hornet juice is an amino acid powder that you add in and will, uh, to your fuel, it's about 60 calories per packet, and it lasts, uh, let's see, it lasts an hour and a half is what they recommend. And if you get Hornet Juice through Zentri, you go to Zentrathlon.com and scroll down and look for the Hornet Juice logo on, on either side. It uh, is a great way to give yourself some incredible, incredible fat-burning fuel that really does work. It's absolutely amazing, and it's made in a lab. <laughs> it's synthetic Japanese killer hornet saliva, and it really does work. It's super crazy, and uh, whenever you get some, it comes from New Zealand, and you get an email from me, and you're also helping support the show uh, because a little bit of what uh, you pay for it goes back to me uh, for me uh, advertising for them, right? And the more you get, the more it comes back to me, and then the more you get to do uh, your crazy stuff with. And speaking of crazy stuff, I always say it is not recommended to use it for some kind of sex Sex capades, uh, endurance, endurance athletes, you know, can do stuff for hours and hours. So you got to watch out if you start taking uh, fat burning, uh, performance optimizing stuff. It is not meant for some kind of sex capade crazy stuff. And that reminds me, uh, somebody tweeted me that they did. <laughs> they used it for a sex marathon or something, and I had to tell them, no, do not use it for that. That's not what it's for. But uh, you could probably totally use it for that. 
And uh, if you do, that's your own problem. But anyway, use it for triathlon. It's really, really cool stuff. And the, again, the package comes from New Zealand with New Zealand stamps. Scroll down uh, zentriathlon.com and get you some. Get you some. And let's go ahead and read some of the emails. When you donate, uh, you can ask me a question, and I'll answer it on the on the show. And also, I'll read off your name and tell you... Uh, so your friends can hear how cool you are that you support Zentri. Everyone that comes in, I make a little note so I can read on the show. Okay, Richard Trago uh, gave a donation to the to the show. Ken Soderquist, longtime donor. Erica Dennison, thank you very much. El Señor, Sognier, Señor. Oh man, the Tour de France was just killer today, wasn't it? Oh, that epic climb. 5,000 foot climb <laughs> at the end. That's crazy. Everybody's like, Team Sky is doping. There's no way they did that. Uh, Nathaniel Lebec gave a donation, and Bruce sent in a donation with a question. Brett, you're the man, exclamation point. Thanks so much for what you do. Uh, you uh, just started doing the podcast thing since my commute got longer. Ran across your podcast and realized you were the person that introduced me to Hornet Juice a number of years ago when I was going longer, whatever that means. I That's your own issue. I didn't realize it was you until I heard your advertisement back when I remember... Back then, I remember listening to you on the bike trainer, rollers of some sort. Yeah, man, I used to ride the hell out of those rollers. I lost track of you, uh, but now I'm a back. While I've been doing, oh, okay, I should calm down. While I've been doing short tries for a while now, you've inspired me to look at going long again. Yes, Hornet Juice helps solve the going long riddle for sure. Um, oh, yeah. I also wanted to mention that Hornet Juice is no joke, exclamation point. Last time I used it, I would literally get a PR each time it was in my bottle. Centrathlon.com, scroll down, get some Hornet Juice. Granted, it's, granted, I saved it for A races. Yeah, okay. And typically, they were my first events at that distance, but a PR is a PR. What is that? <laughs> of course, you got to get a PR. Okay, but a PR is a PR, exclamation point. Hornet Juice rocks. Uh, lastly, if you have a chance to answer a question, I did have one about math training. Maximum aerobic threshold. So how I like to say it. Uh, function. Anyways, what the F is supposed to be. How can someone stay below math? And that's where you stay aerobic uh, when they are going up a hill on the run. Well, you can't. Uh, I would have to stop running and walk to keep heart rate below math. Uh, later, Bruce. Hello, Bruce. Um, well... You can't. And this is where we get into, you need to, uh, if the bird looks different than the book, you need to believe the bird. Well, train for your race. Train the course is what I like to say. If you have a hilly race coming up, those hills are going to do you in because you're going to have to go anaerobic when you're at race pace to go over them. And there's some uh, cases where if you tried to stay aerobic, then you would fall over backwards or you'd have to walk your bike. Um, so you want to train anaerobic to get over hills and it's okay. So I say middle path, Zen middle path. You train aerobic, you train math to build up your aerobic ability and you train hills and going anaerobic up hills to train your hill ability. And also, uh, I guess you could train, you know, sprint stuff to, um, you know, for your sprint across the finish line and raise your VO2 max. Um, I've done races that are so hilly, 
And I only trained, you know, aerobically and long. And then when it went up, I was a complete mess because I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't sustain it. But then I trained races for races that had hills and I would, uh, go out purposefully and run hills with a weight vest on and all kinds of stuff and go really anaerobic and go up those hills. And my legs became so strong that when I would run those hills, uh, like for example, during the race, they hardly bothered me whatsoever and I was able to cruise along. So there's a point that you have to get to where uh, your legs are strong enough where you can even run without going anaerobic, for example, up something with a hill. Uh, but also, I, I love... The, okay, this is the thing about math. I totally believe in it. If you go over a certain heart rate, you're going to go anaerobic and you're not going to be able to digest fuel. And that's actually a sliding scale. The closer you get uh, to your max heart rate, uh, the less fuel you're going to be able to digest, right? Um, so if you're having trouble... Uh, digesting your fuel, you drink more water and slow down, and uh, that should help a lot. But um, you're going to need to actually, you're going to have to go uh, anaerobic sometimes to improve your top end speed. And uh, there's all, you ought to look up sweet spot intervals, which are really nice. Uh, that's where you can mix in uh, uh, gentle intervals in with your long distance training. Right, um, and you kind of just need to you mix in intervals, but you you just kind of keep it under control and don't do too much of it. And um, I I cannot believe in any if you do just a little bit of it and not too much, there's absolutely no way it could damage your uh, aerobic base that you're uh, trying to do and uh, trying to build. And also, you need to keep in mind lactic threshold. So lactic threshold is where um, lactic acid and the burn from lactic acid, and I know scientifically it's way more complicated than that. Parts of it aren't entirely true anyway. But if um, lactic acid is your body sending a signal that you're, you're maxing out, right? Well, if you work yourself doing intervals uh, to where you reach that lactic acid point to where your legs or your arms are burning if you're swimming, then, um, and you continuously do that on a regular basis, gently, um, you will end up improving your, uh, the heart rate, for example, if you want, but the speed or the wattage or whatever that you can go before it starts to burn and before your body starts sending signals to shut everything down. And, uh, for example, I've done testing where, um, uh, and what they look at is your lactic threshold versus your max heart rate. So let's say you um, my max heart rate's around 185, right? And um, my lactic threshold on they look at your lactic threshold versus your heart rate and your lactic threshold heart rate. So they're like, well, running uh, your lactic threshold, Brett, is um, one. Uh, 55 beats per minute or something. Your legs don't start burning on a treadmill until your heart rate hits 155, right? That's really good. That means that you have a lot of resistance towards fatigue because your uh, lactic threshold heart rate is really close to your max heart rate, right? Uh, Lance Armstrong 
for example, on the bike was tested at like, let's say 170. <laughs> While his heart, Max Harry was 190, you know? So basically his legs wouldn't burn and get tired until he started getting extremely close to his maximum, right? So basically uh, somebody that's like that is able to go really close to their absolute maximum ability without getting tired. And you can raise that level by making your legs burn and on, a, on an occasional basis and your body gets smarter and learns to resist that and uh, achieve that, at, uh, get better at go- getting around that obstacle, right? And as your muscles get stronger and you get more efficient. Well, how do you do that? You do that with intervals. So I say, um, remember that those are two completely different systems, your threat, lactic threshold, anaerobic, and your aerobic, and train them separately. And remember to go into a race and go into a season having both really well trained. When you raise your absolute uh, lactic threshold, your maximum anaerobic threshold is another way to call it, then you can um, you can cruise along faster at a little bit higher of, of a heart rate at a uh, at your quote unquote easy cruising speed, right? Because everything's relative, like Einstein said. Um, if you're more powerful, then your easy is more powerful. So get more powerful, but also work in your long easy stuff. And also, the long easy stuff is gr- a great way to practice um, training your uh, fueling and pacing and uh, hydration to get that nailed down because in long stuff that's incredibly important okay thank you bruce and nathanel <laughs> nathanel nathaniel lebeck sent in a donation and uh michael radogna radogna radonia uh sent in a donation and marty sent in a donation and he says dude i love your podcast Dwayne morin from br I don't know what BR stands for, but I know Dwayne, big time, uh, turned me on to it. I did one try, and now I'm hooked. And that's all he said. So uh, thank you very much, man, and woman, and women, and men, uh, for the donations. That was super, super cool. And let me make sure I've covered everything. Uh, Amrita is our last sponsor of this show. Amrita bars are super cool. I had half of one before I went for my run this morning, and the other half when I got back. And they have all kinds of awesome flavors. Flavors. Uh, pineapple chia is my current favorite. Oh, they've got a strawberry one that's just glorious. And they are now found in Sprouts uh, grocery stores, which is super cool. And a uh, longtime sponsor of Zentry. The owner has been on this show. Um, they're nut-free, so they're nut-allergy-free if you have a nut allergy. They taste fantastic. They're extremely portable. They're cool. The kit, the racing kits are awesome. I absolutely love them. They're black with kind of a rainbowy uh, touch to them. Um, really beautiful stuff. And you can get 15% off Amrita food and gear by using discount code ZEN at amritahealthfoods.com. And go check them out. Again, amritahealthfoods.com. Amrita is A-M-R-I-T-A. 15% off with discount code ZEN. I got a box of Amrita bars. Probably like 10 bars left. And they're so good. I eat eat them like snacks, even though I shouldn't. (laughs) Just like 
take off the wrapper and just like palm it into my mouth, into my fuel hole. That's what I like to call it. All right, so we've named all the sponsors. We've done the Hornet Juice, Amrita, Chris Haig. And uh, we're going to do Sound Probiotics here in a minute as we get into the training log. I take you with me doing all kinds of crazy stuff out there. Uh, Swim tips, run tips, bike tips, all kinds of neat, fun stuff here in the training log. Let me go over anything else, see if I've missed anything. Nope, we've done the news. Um, Yeah, and I'm going to San Diego uh, next week, and we're moving houses and shiz is about to get crazy around here so uh, look after the training log and in the next episode look forward to a lot of fun all right here is the training log here we go you are entering the centrite training log zone Funelli. hi everybody my name is brett i'm a trap I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey, we all make mistakes. Come on, dudes, let's go exercise. Exercise! Yeah. I'm gonna do sit-ups till I poop myself. All right, welcome to a new training log. Start it. July 9th. Man, I have so much cool stuff to tell y'all. I was swimming this morning, and the pool boy which is the thing you put between your legs that isolates your legs so that you can really work on your upper body. is uh, It's just so cool. And I was able to... Swimming is like aquatic meditation. You know, there's nothing else you can really do. So all you can do is think about what you're doing and be very focused. And uh, I've put together in my mind a way to describe something that could revolutionize your swimming. So let me put it like this. Uh, I was out paddleboarding the other day, and uh, paddleboarding is new to me, not, but canoeing and kayaking and all that stuff isn't. I've been doing that forever. But uh, learning the balance while pulling against the paddle uh, you know, was uh, something that I've been paddleboarding about six times now altogether in my life, maybe seven, I don't know, something like that. But uh, last time I went paddleboarding, I nailed it down. Like I finally got it, you know, where I felt comfortable and, and was doing it right. And anybody, you don't have to be a paddleboarder, but you can be any kind of uh, paddle. And notice that when you pull the paddle, let's say you paddle on your right side, you don't pull the paddle towards you with your right arm pulling with your bicep right? That'll just, your biceps actually a small muscle compared to your lats and your triceps are actually way bigger. Uh, and what you do instead is you twist your body at the waist and the shoulders and you push down and back with the paddle. You reach it out in front of you and then you use the elasticity and the big muscles, the much bigger muscles than your biceps, and you push down and back into the side with a twisting motion, right? And you push, you lock out your other arm up high, your left arm up high, and that down and back and twisting motion is uh, pulling against a bar, which is now the paddle. Um, All right, are we back? Okay, we're back. Sorry, Emily called on the other line. (laughs) Got to give me the morning update on everything. So, um, 
with the pool boy between your legs when you swim, you can do the same thing. And if you use elasticity, then you're using your tendons and flexibility, and that requires almost no blood flow and no calories. So the example I had taught to me uh, was by a head awesome coach who said, take your fingers back, bend them back backwards over your hand. You feel that resistance? Now let them go. See how they snap back like a rubber band? That took no muscle, right? So if you learn to use your body, the elasticity in your body, uh, you can conserve a ton of energy and be uh, really fast. I've talked about that before. So anyway, um, so do this. Stand a couple of feet to two and a half feet away from a wall and put your arm, your right arm straight up over your head. Now lean forward into the wall so your body's like a board, but that your arm, your hand, the palm of your hand is against the wall with your elbows straight and your arm up over your head. And you'll feel that as you lean into the wall, your arm and in your armpit and your torso become stretched like a rubber band and becomes locked out at some point where uh, you can't uh, go any further, right? Because it hurts or something like that. And that's, that's a flexibility thing. But this is not entirely bad because what you do is if you use that the resistance there correctly, then you can uh, use that as a huge lever to uh, pull through the water. All right, now pull the pull your hand down to the about the height of your head and out to the side, and about a foot away from your head. Uh, so that your elbow's bent at kind of about a 90 degree angle, right? Now see how you can get closer to the wall, right? Well, you're losing that leverage. Well, twist your hip, your right hip towards the wall and your left hip away from the wall. And then that rubber banding leverage returns right there. Now, if you're driving your right shoulder down, now imagine that you're doing this in the water. If you're driving your right shoulder down and using the rubber banding action and your huge muscles instead of your little muscles to uh, create power, then what is your left arm doing? Your left arm is up in the air, right? On its return stroke, coming back up over your head, just like that. It's absolutely amazing. If you work on the timing right, you can get it so that you're rubber banding one side while recovering on the other. Uh, but then there's a slight problem that'll happen that, that you have to work on that most people uh, do is you'll start, if you don't pay attention, you'll start bouncing through the water and snaking through the water like a wiggle, right? Now, that's not effective. What you want to do is keep your, while you're twisting your torso, um, you still want to keep your body straight. So the rotation, and Mark Spitz actually, who had like, what, five gold medals or something like that, said the key to fast swimming is shoulder rotation. That was the key. Two words, shoulder rotation, right? So what you do is while, <clears throat> while you're uh, going through all these motions, you make sure that your head and your neck and your chest and your 
uh, tailbone, let's say, or your belly button tailbone, and your knees and the tips of your feet all remain in a, as straight of a line as if there's a rod going through your body as possible, right? Because if you start S-shaping in the water, uh, wiggling side to side and bouncing up and down, then you, um, you become very inefficient. You create a lot of drag and waste a lot of energy, right? So the trick is the timing of the elasticity versus keeping your body rigid. And at first, it'll take some work, but after a while, you'll get it down so that it's, uh, so that you get the, the action reaction back, um, down, uh, exactly right. And it's exactly like walking, right? Well, you push with one foot while you do something with the other foot and there's an inefficient way to walk and there's an efficient way to walk. So you just got to find the efficient way to swim versus the inefficient way to swim. And that's it. So again, rewind this and listen to this. Lean against a wall, put your arm up over your head, one arm, your right arm, let's say, and lean into it with your arm straight out in front of you and feel that resistance, that rubber band resistance. Now pull your hand out to the side and keep leaning into the wall and twist your right hip into the wall to continue that resistance while keeping your your neck and your head in the exact and your feet in the exact same place right and drive your right shoulder in towards the wall a little bit uh, to continue that resistance and yeah that's it so practice it in the water and you're good to go all right i need to go inside and get some work done it's company breakfast day i need to eat some eggs all right out bang All right, there we go. I'm out running Friday morning. Been listening to an audiobook called The Surrender Experiment. And it's really good. I may be halfway through it, probably not. And it's a lot like Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. Except it's not a fictional story. It's a real story about a guy and he's reading the audiobook. It's on audible.com. About how he's learning to let go of the inner voices and follow his own follow the way of the world, which actually we've talked about recently in the Tao Te Ching, which is the Tao, the way, the way of the world, the way of nature. It's fascinating. It's really cool. You start listening to it and you start following the way of the world around you, seeing it better and hearing Noticing your own inner voices and learning how to tell them to be quiet. So, I'm running on this country road. It's all quiet. Got up early to run this morning. And had an interesting experience last night. I went to do the time trials. And 
it's 20k so 12 miles and the first couple miles of road road crews have torn up the road to do something so it's big chunks of raw gravel and stones and I flatted out on my rear tire gosh within in that the very last patch <laughs> of that on the way out fixed my tire but it took forever because I had um, well one I had to go back and get my water bottle that flew off my bike I hit such a rough patch of pavement that my handlebars rolled in the stem rolled down in the front down <laughs> there's your Texas for you and the uh, what else happened bottle flew off the frame I noticed when I was looking at my bike so I walked back you know 50 yards in my cycling shoes on the side of the road go get it And then a nice guy stopped. He said it looked like I'd wrecked. So he's asking if I needed help. And no, nah, I was fine. But we're leaving the country road and getting onto a bigger road here. And stop, let this car go by. Drink some water. Got a little bit of maltodextrin powder mixed in. bunny rabbit lots of bunnies this year with all the rain which will end up being lots of coyotes such is the way but anyway I got more hold on So then I couldn't figure out how to get my uh, CO2 chuck. I have a new one because I have an older one that's more simple. It's a trigger one, but I put it on Kai's bike. You know, I want him to have the simple stuff because he's 10. <laughs> Who Kai, by the way, wants to start his own bike repair shop on wheels with a trailer he wants to save up for a bike trailer so he can haul bike parts around and set up a booth like a lemonade stand and offer to fix people's bikes anyway <laughs> I told him you probably make a dollar every once in a while start saving up and get a new set of wheels to be faster Teaching them a little bit of business practice. Like always sink the money back into the business if you can. Okay. So I'm riding uh, the rear tire went flat. It's an 808 zip. 
so it's deep dish so I've got a spare with the valve extender already on it I put it in there I figure looking at the time probably took me about 20 minutes to get this done I could not figure out this CO2 thing that had this design I've seen plenty of them and uh this one had a design I'd never seen before. But finally got it to work. And then... <laughs> I'm like, well... You know, my placing in the uh, race is going to be toast. You know. But I'm like, I can still get in a great workout. So, I ride the rest of it. And on the very last patch of gravel, on the way back, I was having such a good ride too. On the very last patch of gravel on the way back, I get another pinch flat on the rear. And I could see the finish line. It's about 200 yards, 300 yards away. <laughs> and there were some guys waiting there for me. And I did the the hand across the neck, back and forth, like, cut the neck, like, I'm out. <laughs> but still, I started walking to the finish line. I was so close to it, I was going to tie myself overall. So I kept walking. They came and talked to me while I was walking. I stopped and talked to him for a little bit. And then I said, they asked if I needed help and all that. You know, I'm like, no. It's so cool with technology. I'd already called Emily and told her, asked her to come pick me up. I said, no, Emily's going to come. My wife's going to come pick me up. I'm good. I don't need any more tubes. She's already on her way. And, uh, Plus there's valve extenders, you know, stuff. Need removable valve cores. Just be a bunch of people standing around fumbling for stuff when they could be riding. And I'm all good. And uh, then what happened? Um, so I walked the rest of the way. I'm running under power lines right now, by the way, if you can hear the bzzz. And there's also a concrete mixer plant right here at the end of this dead end road that I just ran down. And you're going to be able to hear some concrete trucks here in a second. It's pretty cool. I had a summer job for two summers maybe. Maybe three. Not two. Helping pour concrete. Here's a truck. Had some good character building summer jobs, <laughs> service jobs. <sighs> Outdoor construction in the heat. And then also a quick order chef doing food service and front register. 
for a long time. It makes you be nicer to people that you uh, have to work with. Anyway, so I got an email last night that said, hey, because they post the times, you know, they send them out via email and post them on a website. The guy was like, man, I'm so sorry you had a, this guy running the time trial. So sorry you had flat, two flats, and uh, we won't post your time if you want. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember when they were stopping to help me. I said, no, I'm not done yet. <laughs> I'm going to cross the finish line. They were just laughing. And then uh, we were watching the tour, Tour de France. If you pay attention, everything has a meaning. Everything is synchronous. It's so cool. We're watching the Tour de France. And today was, yesterday was the day where Tony Martin crashed with just 1K to go to the finish line. Turn around. I'm on a dirt road now. Broke his collarbone. Didn't know it yet. Probably knew it. But. And he was in yellow. He was the leader of the entire race overall. And his teammates of three guys. This was so cool. They got him back on his bike and slowly got him to the finish line. One on his right. With his hand. His left hand. The assisting rider, this left hand on Tony's back, or butt, or saddle, whatever, and pulling him because it was slight uphill. And Tony's trying to ride with one hand and just knocked silly. And uh, really hurt. And then, same thing with the rider on his left, right? So you have two guys pulling him. Like pushing them from behind while they're riding their bikes with one hand and the coolest thing I thought was there was a third rider that was riding on the left that was assisting <laughs> basically there was two riders on Tony Martin's left one the furthest left one was pushing one to his right that one was pushing a rider to his right, which was Tony Martin. So it was four guys working together. There's another concrete truck. Four guys working together, helping out somebody. And they were doing it so smoothly. It looked like all riding with one hand and, you know I've seen one rider pushing another rider but I've never seen a rider on both side on both sides and then another rider on the side of one of the helper riders 
and it was really moving. Like you were, wow, that's teamwork. It was two things. It really showed you like how much teamwork was actually going on. You'd have no idea unless you saw something like that, how deep the teamwork runs. And then also the honor in uh, finishing, you know, get him to the finish line out of respect for him and the yellow jersey and the race. And I was sitting there watching that and I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, you know, you do sports long enough, that stuff's ingrained in you. You know, when somebody gets hurt on the soccer field, everybody takes a knee out of respect and weights, stuff like that. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, just this afternoon, this evening, I was out of that time trial, you know? But I still walked it and dragged my bike <laughs> to the finish. <laughs> out of respect for something, out of respect to my bike, you know? The bike wants to ride. That's how I feel. If you really love your bike. Your bike does all this work for you. You put it through so much pain and strain. It almost made it to the finish line. Walk it to the finish line. And out of respect for the little time trial. You know? So anyway, I got an email. Had a little trouble sleeping in the middle of the night. And uh, checked my email. And there was an email from the guy I put on the time trial. And he said, oh yeah, so sorry. I was saying this earlier. So sorry. Uh, I was looking for a place to pee. So sorry about... Uh, Got a gas bubble too. My stomach hurts. Golly. So sorry about uh, your two, your flats. Another guy had a flat, same place. Like, it's his fault, like, in the road. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. And then, uh, if you want, we'll post your time. And kind of like, you don't want to if it's too embarrassing. <laughs> I was like, no, man. So I went and looked up the entire time of the... the start of the race changing the one flat for like 20 minutes and then getting another flat walking to the finish line and uh, also talking to the guys for like a minute or so to um 
explained to them my wife was going to come pick me up and all that. And my record for the time trial is uh, 30 minutes flat. <laughs> when I added everything up, it was 55 minutes at 40, like six seconds or something like that. I was like, no, put that on there. You're getting flats as part of life, you know? The only thing that frustrated me, flats are the dial, you know? That never really bothered me. The only inner voice that was, that I heard that was like, this sucks, <laughs> was uh, that CO2 gun, the little nozzle and not being able to figure that out. But even then, I'm not that worried about it because now I know how it works. So it was a learning lesson, if that's a thing. I learned something and I got a really good workout in. It might've been better than doing all out for 30 minutes doing 90% spread out with a little break in between or 100% not really but with a little break in between fixing the flats and stuff that's nice alright I gotta get off the mic we got we're moving houses over a period of a couple of weeks we got a big moving day tomorrow moving a whole bunch of stuff to storage and I need to be ready so I'm gonna get off the mic because I gotta remove stuff. I gotta get a trailer hitch. I've got the hitch, but I don't have the ball for my Xterra. So I gotta take the bike rack off the back, go buy a trailer ball. All kinds of stuff. This is all before work. So be back in a bit. Life continues on. All right, I just had to record right now. I'm driving in the Nissan Xterra with the blinkers on uh, with uh, three surfboards on top and four bikes hanging off the bike rack on the back and the inside uh, seats folded flat with um, uh, just stuff from our house. We're moving houses, but first we have to move to storage for a while a lot of our stuff because the new house isn't ready yet it's a complicated story don't worry about it it's not important and uh it's just we're having such a fun time like moving as a family emily and kai and i um just going along nice and slow and enjoying the day the tour de france is on tv inside and put my blinkers back on and I just want to make sure the surfboards don't blow off the top, so I'm driving really slow. And yeah, so I've learned a long time ago that when stressful stuff is happening, you just uh, try to turn it into fun, as much fun as you possibly can, and just just like a bike workout, go by time instead of by distance, and uh, just enjoy the time, and um, try to stay cool and hydrated and have a lot of fun. So Emily's in front of me driving a U-Haul. Uh, van moving van which is really cute 
And uh, long, many, many years ago, we drove, we rented the biggest one that U-Haul made and uh, drove across the country uh, with all of our stuff in a house. And <clears throat> that was fun. From California back to Texas, long drive. And the truck was overheating all the time. I had the dog in the front. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, so Kai's helping move. But I just want to say, um, you can tell by what you're moving, what kind of family you are. And our garage probably has eight to ten bikes in it in various states of bikeability. Got a fixie uh, mountain bike, commuter bike. This is just me. Mountain bike, commuter bike, uh, leftover bike, road bike, tri bike. <laughs> and then we got the surfboards. We got four surfboards and now a... Uh, uh, the paddleboard, which I lent to a friend to get it out of the way. And it's just on and on and on. Skateboards, all the skateboards going on. And camping gear. And it's just so cool moving all this stuff and seeing everything that's in there. And uh, the big trick is to allow space and time to do everything. And don't set your list to be too much or too crowded too soon. And you can actually enjoy it instead of it being miserable and we are now at the storage unit so I'm going to uh, get off the mic here in just a second uh, this is just one trip of many that's going to happen today which is exciting alright, I'll be back oh, Kai's going to Houston this is Saturday morning, Kai's going to Houston Saturday afternoon to be in bike races which is really cool, so he's been watching the tour Cavendish won the uh, sprint yesterday so Kai's been studying the tour to, uh, and I've been pointing out to him how they draft all the way up until the right last second and then uh, try to sprint home. And he's got crit racing this afternoon, so he's been watching. <laughs> and then annoying us with like wanting to go on the internet and find bikes to buy. We're like, dude, you have, <laughs> there's no more bikes to be bought. We are like a bike shop around here, so there's no more. All right, more in a bit. Out me. Hello, hello. All right. Whew. Leaving the pool. Majorly dehydrated yesterday. We'll talk about that in a second. Oh, there's a red Honda Element. Oh, I remember when I wanted one of those so bad. Thought they were cool. Oh. <clears throat> All right. Let's give a shout out to a sponsor before we talk about stuff that can help you out. See, Sound Probiotics, that's a really good one. They make fuel for your gut to feed the happy bacteria that make you feel good and keep your immune system rocking and rolling. You know, 70% of your immune system comes from your digestive tract, from the bacteria in your digestive tract. And you want to, <laughs> I'm going to get to more of this in a second. You want to feed the good wolf, not the bad wolf, which is a uh, old... Uh, parable. People can't really figure out where it came from. Sounds like Native American. But feed the good wolf and the good wolf will win. So feed your good wolf with probiotics. That's these little pills that feed the happy bacteria in your digestive tract. It's super simple. Sound Probiotics is a company that sponsors Zentri and they make probiotics specifically for athletes and I know Rachel Joyce and I think Ben Hoffman 
are uh, sponsored by them as well and use them. And I never get sick. It is the best thing. The worst thing for your triathlon training and your goals, any goals in life, is to be sick and get knocked down. And the best way to avoid it is to have a happy immune system. So Sound Probiotics does that for you. 10% off your orders if you use discount code ZEN, all capital letters Z-E-N. And that lets them know that you got to soundprobiotics.com through the Zentri podcast and they'll keep sponsoring the show. So give them a shout out. Get yourself healthy, fix yourself, and support the show all at the same time. All right. Let's see. Saturday evening. It's Monday morning now, but we got some dehydration tips. The um, <laughs> anti-dehydration tips. I'm sure you can go out and get dehydrated all you want. The uh, It's hot here. Like getting really, really hot. We're midsummer, Texas, uh, middle 90s, uh, temperature and crazy high humidity. It really blows people's minds how hot it is here. And we're right on the Gulf of Mexico, which is a very warm body of water, which just pumps humidity up into the United States uh, from south to north, right through the Texas coastline. And I just live a couple hundred miles, a hundred miles probably from it. And it uh, just gets sucked up in here. It's really hot and oppressive. And I did up my... um, my long run to two hours and 27 minutes on Saturday evening was the best time to go do it. Well, of course, that's going to be hotter than hell. Start off at six o'clock, drinking tons of water the whole way. And still, um, when I got finished that evening, you know, I finished around 830 and uh, I'm sitting down and I'm drinking a beer and I feel dizzy and sick to my stomach. Did I feel dizzy? Well, I've started feeling sick to my stomach. I'm like, what's that about? That's really weird. And uh, I went to bed not really knowing. This was new and not really knowing what was going on. And then um, got up in the morning to go for my long bike ride and didn't weigh myself, which I should have done. Um, I've gotten away from weighing myself because I'm trying to not be too focused on food. And, and uh, if you weigh yourself all the time, then you're gonna, if you're a dude, you're going to start developing manorexia. <laughs> kinda, a little bit. Don't over-control things too much. You know, you have a little bit of slack in there. And <clears throat> maybe I'll just weigh myself on the weekends when I'm going to do really hot and heavy stuff. And I also helped, uh, helped myself and Emily uh, move on uh, Saturday throughout the day. Uh, moving stuff to a storage unit, which you heard about. And then I uh, I got on my bike ride, and about halfway through the bike ride, I started feeling... I was doing a three-hour bike ride. Started off feeling fine. About halfway through... Uh, this is now Sunday morning. Halfway through, I'm like, man, I feel weird. I, feel, I felt oddly cold. I was still pouring in sweat, so that was a good sign. I didn't need to stop and pee much and when I did pee it wasn't you know that dark or anything like that but um I don't know well then so I just started feeling oh I know what it was um I started getting kind of wandery on the road a little bit you know like there was a couple of times where I was like hmm this is weird I feel kind of drifty you know and ram had just happened the ride across America where they always have drama with people falling asleep and 
riding in the oncoming traffic and stuff like that. And I'm like, I wonder what this is, some kind of fatigue. And I was drinking tons of water, I thought. So I don't know, uh, with salt in it and, you know, I mean, but I was, I thought I was doing a great job, but sometimes, you know, the elements are just too much. And I, uh, I think I started at eight in the morning. And so by, what is that? Nine 30, 10, um, I, I realized, oh, my power just dropped off, just went like that. And I managed to keep my heart rate up, uh, not too high. And that's a good sign. Your heart rate starts climbing. That means you're dehydrated. And so I was like, well, my heart rate's not all crazy high. So what's going on? And, but my power just faded, faded. And you can see it on my graph. All my workouts are public. I'm on Garmin Connect and Strava and all that. And you can see my power just falls off. So on my second water stop with about, about half an hour to go on my bike ride. Yeah. I just stopped and sat down for a while. I was like, man, I sat in the shade, drank a bottle of water, another bottle of water and, uh, with salt and stuff in it. And I was like, man, this is really something else, you know? (laughs) And then I'm riding home and on the very last hill, which is these hills here in Texas, super short. And so the very last hill with uh, half a mile to go on my bike ride and I biked like 62 miles. Um, I think one time when I was stopping for water, the second time I was stopping for water, I felt a tingliness in my left hand. And I've always had nerve damage in my left hand, my left arm, just a little bit, and uh, which doesn't help my swimming. And the uh, I just felt a little tingling. I was like, well, that's interesting. And then I, um, anyway, I'm on this last hill, and I just got shooting, uh, cramping pain just shot down the inside of my right leg and around the front and back of my right leg, which is basically my whole leg but starting up high and on the inside. And I was like, what in the world is that? Holy crap, that hurt. <laughs> that hurt bad. So I um, I got home and I weighed myself. Emily said, maybe you should weigh yourself. And I'm like, well, I don't know, I've been drinking tons of water. And I weighed 175. And um, I think that's, you know, like a loss of probably about eight pounds in just like a day. Um, but I haven't been weighing myself, so I don't know. It is low, but how low was it before I started? How low can you go? So I don't know. So mental note, uh, weigh yourself before in the summer months, before the weekend comes along, if you're, if you're a weekend warrior like I am, and uh, keep on top of things, you know? Because I don't know if I was drinking too much water that didn't have enough salt in it, although I feel like I, I wasn't, or if I was drinking not enough water you know anyway so then uh got up this morning went for a swim and doing the pool boy is really really nice i do about half my time right now with the pool boy i alternate 10 minutes with 10 minutes without and your upper body gets kind of pumped and jacked and that felt really good and i was stopping every time i'd switch which is 10 minutes uh i would uh take another huge glug of water and uh scratch labs uh, ralph jacobson mentioned to me on Twitter. I have scratch lab stuff sitting around. So just adding just a little, the tiniest bit of carbs and salt to your water, uh, helps your body absorb it. And then also I'm really enjoying a great podcast called the one you feed. And it's about the good wolf and bad wolf. 
everybody has it inside and uh which one wins well the one you feed and god they say it so much they repeat it so much it gets a little bit old in the podcast so i'll let you listen to it to get more of it but anyway it's a great show and i've been listening to a few episodes of that and uh, my job is to curate things and bring them to you of what is cool out there and what will help you get through all your triathlon training. So I highly recommend that. You might really, really enjoy it. And I think that's it for this episode. There's always so, so much more. And uh, that's what next episode is for, right? All right. Everybody stay safe out there. Stay tuned for the next show. Always good stuff. And work the uphills and cruise the downhills and keep the rubber side down out. Out.